You ask me what my acceptance speech might have been. Well, here goes. I am very happy to accept this award in the manner in which the screenplay was written, which is to say, in the absence of Orson Welles. How's that? How come he shares credit? Well, that, my friend, is the magic of the movies. <laughs> Hold up, Oscar, mate. Big smile. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It is best film ever. Oh. You sound like someone's just died. My name is Ian. I'm Liam. I was Ethan. I'm Ellie. And I'm Georgia. Hey, and we are here today to talk about <laughs> Mang. What a beautiful little score that is. It is yeah. lovely, isn't it? Um, <sighs> have we finished with the ASMR talking now? Can we get? Can we talk normally? We can't have like a soft score like that and have come and go, and welcome. You just can't do that. You can't. And so, and so it's, it's about, very fitting. It's about the musicality. It's about matching the timber of what's around you. Oh, around, around you. you. So uh, let's talk. It's a Friday release, so we're not going to go through any of the shout outs. Nope. We're not going to go through any of the charts. I will say, uh, make sure you have checked out. If you haven't already, we dropped The Rock on Monday. If you haven't, if you're listening to this, you might want to check out uh, Citizen Kane, which we did about 10 days ago now. I did that first before this. Uh, definitely. Uh, well, if you've seen Mank, I mean, you can still enjoy. I mean, well, if, you, ho- if, you if you haven't, watch this and Kane, then watch Mank, then yeah. listen to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on Thief's Monthly Movie Loot coming up this the later this week or next week. Uh, Liam is on How Not to Summon a Podcast. Yep. And we're asking for your top five Tom Cruise films for our real roundtable, which will happen at the end of the month. Make sure you use the hashtag BFE Top Five so we can find you. If you have a question for our BFE mail call, please, Ethan will be trolling that and make sure you get all that information to him with the hashtag hashtag bfe mail call or hashtag ask bfe and that will get you where we need to go and that is about it so oh and episode one of keeping it low key will be in two days from this episode yeah it will so that will be much enjoyable it will it will it will i hope anyway yeah i say that with with all the faith that we're time traveling I have, I have hope. It seems fun. Plus, yeah. it's Owen Wilson. I've got, I've got faith in Owen wow. Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. So, um, let's talk about this film, shall we? Which we're doing today. It's called Mank. It is. I'm uh, very excited. We are on the countdown. I'm very aware. We are, we are doing this we, we kind are. of, we are flying. We have a countdown until when our special guest is joining us. So we are going to continue onward. Probably so, eating his lunch about now. Probably because he's, yeah. he's on the West Coast, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, we are, we'll be joined in about, I don't know, hour and a half, I would guess, mm-hmm. by uh, Sean Prasad. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Who uh, who played Tommy in this film? Not to be confused with the the, the Who album, the same name, <laughs> the musical, or the boy played by um, Chris Farley. Yes, Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. There we go. Terrible movie. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, let's talk about Context Corner. This film, uh, Ellie will be a big fan. <laughs> Directed by David Fincher. Feel like you're looking at me to say something and i don't want to give away my thoughts on the film straight I, away <laughs> i just want i just wanted you to go i like david fincher that's all i that's love that, david that fincher this is the 
I want to say this is the fifth film we've I done think, on the podcast. I think it is. Mm. He's directed other films such as the first one we haven't done a review on, Gone Girl, but he has done. We've done reviews on Seven, Fight Club, and the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So this is the fourth film we've done. Of his. Oh, okay. Oh, that's. I think that's it leads. It yeah. does. I think it amongst does. directors, yeah, it absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. does. So uh, cinematography by Donald Peterman, and music composed by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. That made me very happy to see. Yeah, back from the social network, back from all sorts of things. So Mank is a 2020 American black and white biographical drama film about screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz and his development of a screenplay for Citizen Kane, directed by Fincher, based on a screenplay by his late father, Jack Fincher. Oh, wow. The film was produced by Sean Schaffin, Douglas Urbanski, and Eric Roth. Uh, some of the events of David Fincher's own career mirror those of Orson Welles during the period depicted in the film. Both men saw professional success at a age both were noted for their confidence that bordered on arrogance and both were involved in major public feuds with the most famous and wealthy media tycoons of their day wells with william randolph hearst during the making of citizen kane and fincher with rupert murdoch during the making of fight club which we talked <laughs> nice. about last week a little we bit did. Liam. We yeah. Did, yeah. so uh, jack fincher wrote the script in the 1990s and david originally intended to film it after he completed the game in 1997 but it never came to fruition due to fincher's insistence on shooting in black and white with a very different lead for mankiewicz oh, okay. so i'm gonna make ethan you're gonna be responsible for going who was that lead ian yep and and you also have as well as the female lead if you can say this film has a female lead yeah two different leads because 97 different different layout right mm. so mm-hmm. and no sean passard no sean passard uh so it never came to fruition and jack fincher bless him died in 2003 so uh, this is the second film to detail the process of, st- of creating citizen kane with the semi-fictitious rko 281 from 99 which starred john malkovitz as Herman oh, Mankiewicz. Wow. John Malkovich as Herman Mankiewicz. That's wow. not fair. That's, 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 no, that's a mouthful. And Five leave, times fast. Yes, Can we just call him Malk instead? Malk and Mank. <laughs> <laughs> and leave Schreiber as Orson Welles. Uh, but eventually wow. this... Wait. Yeah. Oh, but eventually this project was officially announced in July 2019 and filming took place around L.A. from November 2019 to February 2020. And following a 120 page draft of a script revealed that Jack Fincher closely followed a claim voiced by Pauline Kael in her 1971 New York article Raising Cain, which we talked about last week, that Wells did not deserve screenwriting credit. We have talked about that this was refuted by a different one that said Cain, Cain, no, that Orson Welles had you know decisively did contribute to the writing of the yeah. uh, thing. but this, this this film goes a different direction this film tells us a different story it does indeed uh her argument this would be the person who who sort of does the the version of the tale that we that we follow here has been discredited by several film scholars over the years including robert l carriger uh mank producer eric roth reportedly polished the script prior to filming and david fincher says he felt the early drafts were too anti-wells I don't know if this script is really pro. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's very villainous. Really, yeah. yeah. When asked about the controversy surrounding the authorship, Fincher stated his movie does not aim to settle the issue. He says, I was not, it was not in my interest to make a movie about a posthumous credit arbitration. I was interested in making a movie about a man who agreed not to take any credit and then changed his mind. That was interesting to me. And so uh, that's really about it. I mean, to pay homage to the films of the 30s, Mank was shot in black and white using uh, Fincher's preferred red, all in capital letters. It's red. Digital cameras. 
uh, ironically, it's called Red, but the shot in black, in and, black white. and white. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Mank had a limited theatrical release on November 13th, 2020, and began streaming on Netflix on December 4th. And I couldn't find anything that for sure said if this was always the original plan was to go to Netflix. I imagine this is a reaction to the pandemic. Yeah. I, uh, so. I should think so. And it's a question I, got, I have for Sean, actually, is, 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 is if yeah. he knows this, mm. because I couldn't find anything, but it does get a, a limited theatrical release. So there's a, oh, there's, okay. a few, there's a few questions in that. So it would have had some sort of a premiere, I'm assuming. A lot of people wonder if this was actually filmed on film because of the effect they had on it, but obviously it's not. It is, it is just recorded and then had yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is a digital film. Yeah, It is not film-based. Can I ask no. you another question? Then? Yeah, go ahead. Can you be eligible for an Oscar if it's streamed? Yes, as long as it's released. Yeah, 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 because a lot of films have been... Okay. Have, have, have come on to... This was nominated for 12 Oscars, I believe. 10. Ten. Yeah, yeah but you, it you just, said it had a limited release. No, it in just has, yeah, it, no, it just has to be released somewhere in some variety. It doesn't have to be yeah. only in some. Oh, okay, okay. uh, I think it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's a it's a thing yeah. as being the first Netflix film to mm. to win an Oscar. Oh, okay. Yeah, as long as you're released somewhere and you are of a feature length, so more than eighty minutes. Oh, okay. That's all you have to do to qualify. Cool. Our podcasts are feature length. Yeah, they, they are definitely <laughs> that. Yeah, of course. Soul that feature went straight length. to Disney Plus, and that that one will like music or something. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, they definitely go up for that. I think one best animated feature, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the, the opening Chiron to Orson Welles. It said, direct quote from the film. In 1940, at the tender age of 24, Orson Welles was lured to Hollywood by a struggling RKO Pictures with a contract befitting his formidable storytelling talents. He was given absolute creative autonomy, would suffer no oversight, and could make any movie about any subject with any collaborator he wished. I'm going to say this. Truth police are coming out for that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few issues. We learned that he was given such a deal because RKO was was successful. Yep. And they actually had the money because they, they their, their pictures were, 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 were profitable. And then we also said the idea that he could make any film he wants as long as RKO gave initial story approval. So you can't do any story you choose because a few of them got shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to meet some sort of budget restrictions, which he said was half a million dollars. Yep. So a little bit overly simplified, but nonetheless, all right. So uh, the credits are interesting the way they're presented. It's obviously some sort of like... Uh, almost 3d kind of what they augmented reality almost yeah, on the screen almost, there almost yeah. out, isn't it yeah I like and they're it. sort of leaning like almost like italics but not in the usual way but sort of depth like italics. depth ways yeah, mm. yeah yeah it's like if you did microsoft 3d word up but with like the star wars crawl microsoft 3d word up. yeah with the star wars crawl yeah, yeah i 100% agree with you on that yeah. that's right um, but if it makes you feel really uneasy, I think, especially when you combine it with the music at that point, because the music is quite unsettling as well. I've got here, the score is oddly haunting. Mm-hmm. Almost like we're about to hear something at the very least super real, if not um, foreboding and like like a, like a ghost story. of sorts. Almost like, like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, it was very Twilight Zone. It was yeah. very, like the opening of the birds. It's yeah. very, very similar, especially like even with the camera angles, yep. it's very like sky focused. So composers Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, uh, this is the time, this is the fifth collaboration between them and David Fincher. Uh, following on from the film Nine Inch Nails only, which if you know what Trent Reznor's in, is, is Nine Inch Nails, the social network, the girl with the dragon tattoo and gone girl. So, you know, and they, they, are, they have won at least one, if not two Academy Awards for, for best score through this partnership social network one i know that i think 
It might didn't Trent Reznor do? Uh, oh, he won for something Soul. else. So he won for Soul. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you, for going their usual synth heavy style, they used only period authentic instruments to accompany the film, and it felt like you worked, the, the yeah. score was so important in putting you in the world of the nineteen eight uh, not nineteen eighties nineteen nineteen thirties yeah nineteen eighties kids. This is what it was like. <laughs> Um, Original Breakfast Club. And as a result of COVID, each member of the orchestra recorded their sections for the score from home. Wow. And then it was compiled. So thankfully, you had these synth-heavy guys who would be really good at digitally sort of putting things together. Yeah. But you would not have thought for a moment they're all in different places. No, No, you wouldn't. No. No. So you want to talk about working from home? I mean, geez. (laughs) Yeah. Really impressive. Uh, And also the fact that Mank has a monaural sound mix. So that's like what films were done in before, like the stereophonic sound system in the mid-20th century. So rather than having a track for dialogue, a track for music, a track for sound effects, everything's on one track. It's actually kind of how we record this podcast. Yeah. I could put us on separate ones. I have the capacity, but it just takes so much space. It records 17 tracks at once. I'm like, that's like, oh, that's, that's yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. That's that, silly. That explains a lot. I was listening to this, with, watching it even with AirPods, mm-hmm. like, because I'm, I'm that guy. And it just, it didn't feel like I was listening properly at all. It just yeah, felt no, like it was broken. Everything was just one. Yeah. The same thing on the left as in the right and mm-hmm. no balance, but it's just, it's all in one place. I was so like, there's a scene where like he's on the side and I just hear everywhere. I'm yeah. so used to just, just turning from the left. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't do enough stuff with ear, with headphones in. So I don't in music. I do if I'm listening to some music, but uh, yeah. when I'm on a run, but for things that would have had actually left ear, right ear sort of stuff like a cinema, I don't pick up on that stuff because mm-hmm. I just hear it through the TV. So it's not the same yeah. sort of lo- lo- location. You don't have the all around. <laughs> yeah it was it was mixed in 5.1 because the rear speakers play a faint echo that simulates the sound of the movie playing in a large theater oh that's cool that's i will say clever. this this is like one of those films that's in love with the idea of making films it's hollywood's yeah. love letter to itself oh, of course mm. oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. like self-indulgent as hell uh, you could argue that yeah uh, there's just one part where i'm gonna go uh, oh, we'll get to it yeah. <laughs> so um, the, the Victorville Ranch and something I liked and you could argue I, I was talking to Liam about this and went you could either say this is clever or pretentious as hell and I went I think I like it it's the idea that each scene had the slug line like you'd put on a screenplay exterior or interior place and then time yeah. I loved this loved it this is exactly what, as, yeah. it typed, as a typewriter yeah. then went down a oh, because, level because it has to be in courier like these are the rules yeah. like, like my students who do film nice. this is what they do yeah, yeah. yeah they have to do that it's so I, I thought it was it. like really nice. So actually, I'm going to show them clips from this to go, this is how you do it. Look at this. Look at how they've started. And also, it was really helpful to keep track of the different timelines as well. Because oh. it helped. Whether yeah, it was yeah, a flashback yeah. or not. I was taking so many notes, I had to have Liam shout out, 1935, flashback. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you. Because I, I stopped and go, what, what was it? And he yeah, said, yeah, yeah. After I, looked, that, his... I looked up at one point and, went, and had realized, because I heard the typing sound, and went, I've got to go back 10 seconds. I need to see what it said. I think it works, though, because everything is focusing on him writing. It's about, it, it's of a, course, it'd be indulgent of. It is a film that's in love with filmmaking, but more importantly, it's a film that's in love with the screenwriting process. This whole thing is about a screenwriting credit, so why wouldn't you? Exactly, yeah. So there's a lot of parallels and a lot of... This is very dense. I feel very similar to the way I felt about Citizen Kane, of all things. It's very dense. There's a lot going on, on the surface and underneath it. I'm glad they did it in black and white, though. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah if it was yeah, a color, yeah. no. It wouldn't work. Um, so uh, Mank has been put into bed, and it's a dry house, we find out, because Mank is an alcoholic. He is indeed. Mm-hmm. And he goes to get up, and um, when he finds it's a dry house, he's like, I'm not having that, and then he can't move. <laughs> uh, there is some booze. Prov- I couldn't figure out, what is this booze? 
Because obviously it's it's like it it's knocks the, him out. It's That's the kind of booze yeah. that the minute you drink any, you're gonna knock yourself out. I don't think it is alcohol. It's it's some sort of sleeping agent, like for yeah. hypnol or something. Yeah, so that he can't. Mm. So if he goes to drink, he can't can't drink because it knocks him out straight yeah, it's just too much yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. doesn't yeah. Wells say later on like he, it was there just because to stop him from As getting too far yeah. yeah it's kind of like I mean you hear things about alcoholics now who uh, they will have these additives put in their they'll, they'll take like tablets yeah. and what will happen is if you have a drink it'll make you ill yeah, because you've put something in your system that alcohol doesn't respond to, and they'll vomit. I think it's their idea of this. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, to keep him on the straight and narrow. And this is the thing about Mank. He's a genius, but he's a self-destructive genius. Yeah. Um. And so there's a typist to dictate to, and it's Lily Collins. I thought she was great in this. I agree. She was amazing. I liked yes. her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's like, and she's got a nice little arc. Yeah. Nice little story. Something else is good. Yes. If there's one thing this film suffers from, it's the secondary characters don't mean a thing. No, really. <laughs> they just pop up every now and then. Um, and so Orson's going to send this guy called Houseman to check in weekly. And we found that out. We did Citizen Kane. We said he was sort of held under house arrest. And he, he's told, tell the story you know, which basically means we're going to learn all about you, Mank. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. And... Um, he then phones, and this is he, I mean, Orson Welles phones and wants to talk to Mank. And whoever's playing Orson Welles, the nose Tom is... Burke. Oh, Burke. Tom Burke. The, Tom Burke, the yeah. nose is I massive. Did you know Tom Burke from other things? I, I do, don't. yeah. Three Musketeers? So, um, no, it's definitely not Sorry, Ellie, it's go ahead. Strike, yeah. Um, so he's he plays Cormoran Strike in the BBC um, drama series, basically, which is uh, J.K. Rowling's books that she wrote. I think she wrote them under a pseudonym. She did, yeah. Um, to see if to see if they would still sell, like, not just because of her name. Um, so it's about a detective um, in in London. Okay. Um, it's, it's, I really liked it. How, lo- how long did it take before everybody figured out it was J.K. Rowling's books? Not long, I don't okay. think. So, a, I think there was a press release before as well. Experiment failed. Um, I mean, Orson Welles' nose in this is massive. <laughs> Huge. And it didn't feel right. It didn't look right. It looked like a prosthetic nose. It did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be a shot. If it was, it's not very clever. I watched this well immediately done. after watching Citizen Kane, and I was like, is, is this like a weird CGI kind of thing that they did? Because it just doesn't look right. Yeah. Uh, the impression is great of Orson Welles. I thought mm. he, he did a good job with the voice. But we mm. find out that although Orson's got three months, he wants Mank to have two months. Um, and he says, if anyone asks, tell them you're adapting. And we find out that Orson Welles has just turned 24. <laughs> which is yeah all right what am i doing in my life exactly i, I think i'm doing okay but yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like i've got a couple years i'm still you okay. do you, you be, you're gonna blink and it's gonna be the uh, i remember when they said paul, paul mccartney leaves the beatles at 28 and i'm yeah, going you like i'm how going can you talk oh, about tell, yeah, how, no gallagher to start till he's 32 i was like well that's yeah. okay i'll be no gallagher <laughs> <laughs> so um meet herman j mankiewicz played by gary oldman he wanted to wear elaborate prosthetic makeup not after seeing this to closely resemble the actual herman mankiewicz but was persuaded otherwise by david fincher who wanted minimal makeup for capturing a more intimate performance and the better for it oh do you not think he was maybe persuaded otherwise by the fact that he did um the churchill one darkest hour well no because he said he really wanted he said he really he said he wanted to put it on yeah (laughs) yeah but why on earth would you want to put yourself through that again it's like there, hours and hours, isn't it? Well, he seems to be a bit of a glutton for punishment for his art, but he won an, yeah. he won, he won an Oscar for it. That yeah. sounds okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he put the makeup on, people he would have won the Oscar to, this time. People tend to win Oscars. 
Oscars when they have like prosthetics to make them look completely different, or when they or when they're in biopics. So if you can yeah. do both, then you've, then you've won. Yeah, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just thinking about Nicole Kidman in the hours. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> a, a real person and prosthetics. There we go. Win. So who was originally going to be there if it wasn't? Thank you for that. Gary Oldman. Yeah. Oh, it was going to be. I'm Frank Underwood. Oh, no. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey could have done this. Yeah. Oh, don't be wrong. I, I, yeah. I fully understand where we're going with this. But as far as acting ability goes, yeah, he, he could have he he, done this. He yeah. could have done it. Yeah. And he, he might have been more age appropriate. Yeah. I don't know the age yeah. game, but there's a part where, where, where Manx says how, what his age is. And yeah. I audibly swore at the TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sure you are. <laughs> sure you are, Gary. This is much as Manuel Miranda singing that he's 19 years old at the beginning of Hamilton. But at, least, at, least it crosses yeah. whole, at least it crosses his whole life. She's going to finish at the appropriate yeah. age. Yeah. yeah, you kind of have to be older for oh, Hamilton, don't geez. you? <laughs> so, um,. I have no way to really refer this besides saying the world's most high-profile Eskimo brothers. And what I mean is David Fincher <laughs> and Gary Oldman were both married to Donya Fiorentino. Wow. So imagine that. The leading man and the director, both yeah. ex-husbands of the same woman. That's a cool Maybe club. they bonded over it. Uh, Fincher yeah, was married so. to Fiorentino Maybe. from 90 to 95, while Oldman was married to her from 97 to 2001. So That's pretty close. close to each other. Wow. Close. As a result, Fincher's daughter and Oldman's two sons with Fiorentino are half-siblings. Both marriages reportedly ended in disaster. And it's rumored that Fincher and Oldman's troubled experiences with Fiorentino became a strong inspiration for Fincher directing Gone Girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, let's go. Uh, interior, Mankholm, weeks earlier. And we meet Sarah Mankowitz, played by Tuppence Middleton, who I also think was really good in this. Really good in mm. this, yeah. I love, I love the name. Uh, Herman is smashed, but he's, like, charming drunk here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, you lovable rogue, you're drunk again. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman is great at playing drunk. See his performance on Friends. Oh, where he's yeah, in the military yeah. costume who spits everywhere. Is yeah. that Gary Oldman? That's Gary yeah. Oldman. When he wasn't nearly as old a man. No. I love Gary Oldman. Yeah, that's Gary Oldman there. So if you want more Friends information, go ahead and check our See It or Skip It on the Friends Reunion special, which we dropped about a week ago. So there oh, we go. Who is Gary Oldman? It, 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 I'm not lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, doing, I, I'm picturing him and I can see it. It is. Could, uh, the bl- face blindness is like working. Could you be any later on that realization? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's some dramatic irony, and it's funny. I mean, we, I laughed. I, mean, I think you laughed as well, yeah, Liam, yeah. when he says, you don't even know what I'm saying yet. He's supporting me. It's what he's doing here. <laughs> when, when, when they go, the Wizard of Oz is going to bankrupt that studio. I knew he was going to say is that. that right? yeah. Watching Titanic being like, oh, oh. That, that one that, thing. That Picasso won't yeah. amount to anything. Exactly. Take, take yeah. it from me. Or it's Mr. Burling and Inspector Calls. Titanic will never sink. Titanic yeah. will never sink. So Tuppence takes good care of him. I've gotten my notes, but I can't wait for the age game. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because no can I. I did not. When they went, oh, why did you marry me? I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have the same question actually. Uh, meet the driver, play uh, Tommy, played by Sean Persaud. Hey. Is this the Sean Persaud getting like getting like a one day Dwayne Smith? Sean Persaud can have the Dwayne Smith treatment. Every oh day. wow! Are we going to find out anything more about him at any point? What do we mean? Sean Persaud. Well, we're going to have Sean... I've said a few... Oh, you should do it again. We're going to have Sean Persaud on later. So if you yeah. want to know more about this, I'm going to take the amount of screen time, which uh, maybe we'll play a game with that. Uh, 
basically Sean Prasad's character is that he's in he's, love and he's a crappy driver. But he's the reason that Citizen Kane gets written. I see. I'm very curious. <laughs> I did not see anything about this when I researched um, when I researched Citizen Kane that he did all this while he was like laid up. I think this might be a bit of a creative license. Oh, I, I, I think it is, but it, yeah. in this it is the in, in this universe, he, he is the reason because <laughs> he's in love with a girl, and uh, he's like, "Come on, look at this!" Like he said, he said, "Yours always," and he said, "Always." That means something. She didn't just say yours. Yours always, and he's like, Absolutely. "Look, look at this." And it's kind of funny because he is arguing about the the meaning of a word to Mankiewicz, and that would make yeah, sense. Mankiewicz yeah. read into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they crash and, and, and then after they crash, we get a shot of, uh, Mank being on the stretcher hoisted. hoisted up and we see Tommy fine in the background, yep. just going, so, so she loves me. Don't you think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's the entirety of Sean Prasad's screen time in this film. How long do you think he is on the screen for? 48 seconds. 48 seconds. 27 seconds. 27 oh, seconds. I was going to say, two, uh, I'll say 30 then. Okay. Ellie? One minute and 10 seconds. Ethan, you're really close. 51 seconds. Ooh. Yeah. I originally had a lower number because I forgot that he was in that second micro scene, if you want to call yeah. it. Because it does fade out. Technically, it would be, mm. if we were doing a proper heading, yeah. it would be another scene. Because it would yeah. be uh, exterior, uh, side of road, sometime later. Mm. And then yeah, we would have that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, that's just me. Being Splitting hairs. <laughs> I am, but if you're going to go ahead and, and dedicate yourself to this slugline format, I mean, you'd be doing them all over the place. You really <laughs> wouldn't want to see it. So, um, Tom Burke uh, then plays Orson Welles, taking advantage of him in the hospital. And he's got this laugh with the reverb and the score that makes him sound like a supervillain. <laughs> we'll have to put you to work. Ha, 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 ha. So, cut to present day. By present day, I mean Mank's present day, not, not our present not us, day. Yeah. So, Mank is reciting the start of Citizen Kane. And I'm glad I've seen Citizen Kane for this because he's all over the map. Because basically, he's describing large portions of the newsreel. Yeah, he is. Is what he's doing. Uh, Rita has already figured out. Rita is the um, the 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 house maid played by Lily Collins, the one who's typing. House, not housemaid. She's just a little typist typist and does some some menial assistance for him. Yeah, Uh, she figured who it is. They talk about Marion Davies, and he goes, "It's a problem of your generation. You don't all you know about these moving pictures. You don't know anything about the Battle of Hastings. Strange claim for a British for an American man to make for a British woman." Yeah, mm. is it the one? So she was able to name fourteenth of October. Four, I know it's four. I can tell you ten sixty six. I couldn't have told you it was ten centigrade. No, I can tell you that. No, no, no. <laughs> I can tell you the phone number for Hastings Direct from like twenty Hastings years ago because they used it in the jingle. Is oh eight hundred double o ten sixty six. So is that the phone that King Harold used when he was going there? <laughs> no, it was an insurance company. That was, that's was the number that Will of Normandy had to call when he was like, yeah, yeah. we surrender. We're done. Yeah, we're done. Also the Battle of Stamford Bridge, just cool. so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to the Paramount studio in a flashback all the way back to 1930. We're gone back about a decade. Mank's brother is in the loo because someone's looking for Mankiewicz, but not that Mankiewicz. This is Joe Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz. And we're told that, you know, you're here to see the genius at work. And we see Herman, and he's literally betting money on heads versus tails. It's stupid. <laughs> and he's getting taken. They're so... And he's, he's just going for it. He's just And he's just laughing yeah, it off, because yeah, yeah. he's a man who's got no willpower against his vices. Nope. Mm. The gambling one seems to go away. At times. 
as far as official like there's it gets a lot more ideological and it's a lot less out of his gambling compulsion than it is out of of his political convictions later on but this sort of just like random gambling it fixes itself but his alcoholism obviously doesn't his typists have toned down a little bit as well oh my word (laughs) i totally had forgotten about this this is the topless woman who's just wearing like nipple tassels as she types it's funny I imagine there must be some. I couldn't find anything in my research about this. Uh, there was something about the about the Marx Brothers when they're in the room uh, barbecuing, barbecuing hot dogs, and there is some <laughs> truth in that. And there were stories that they would wait for each other in their offices naked, the men, as a way to throw <laughs> each other off That's to play brilliant. tricks. How very straight of them. I, I just, it's just, it's just a strange thing. I love but, that. But the idea about here's the secretary in just her nipple tassels, I was like, not the, the typist in her yeah, nipple yeah, tassels. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the one guy's going to sit right beside her to make sure she gets the words right. <laughs> <sighs> um, and, I volunteer that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're headed to a story conference. And in the right corner of the screen, we see circles. Now, the oh, circles, as we learned during Fight Club, if you didn't already know, that's the cue for the projectionist to switch the reels. Now, there mm-hmm. are no reels. This is digital. Yep. It's being shown to us on a television. So the question then becomes, once again, is this really clever or pretentious as hell? Both. <laughs> both, yeah. yeah. The circles, I think I leaned a little bit more towards pretentious as hell. I do like it though. I really liked it. It made me happy. Okay. Yeah. I, I did. I said, well, I don't know what that is. Um, yeah. and of course, you can't just do it once. They committed to it the whole way through. Yeah, Here's where you would have swapped yeah. the reels. So, yeah, that's really clever. Um, and so, and, and you can hear the audio change too when, when I guess it gets, it gets switched. Yeah. It has a small click to, yeah. to, to signify like it had been a different. A different source had been put on. Um, and then um, they go to the pitch meeting and we see a different kind of Paramount picture. They want to pick, pitch some sort of like Frankenstein-like picture. But like a werewolf yeah, zombie. Werewolf, type. zombie, Frankenstein all Frankenstein, in one. vampire. And the whole time there's like a crying <laughs> priest in the corner. Yeah. And they pitch to, is, is, is it, is it oh, Charlie has to come up with a finish on the spot. And he, is it Charlie or is it Joe? Which one has to do it? Joe. It's Charlie. Joe. Is it? I thought it was Charlie. I thought it was Charlie. Was it? Anyway, somebody, somebody who's been told just sit in the corner and don't do anything yeah. is now gone, well, just don't say anything. And they go, how does it end? Well, you've got the conclusion to it, don't you? And they make him riff. And he does a pretty <laughs> good job selling it. And they still pass and say it's a B picture. And then moments later, like he leaves Joe, I think. No, Charlie. It's Charlie again. He leaves Charlie. And, and then he's like, I'll see you later. And then moments later, he's back on a Rolls Royce, but he's hammered. That's funny. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And then we cut. Shots, probably. Yeah. And then we (laughs) cut back to Herman in bed, but it's not Herman in bed at the present day. It's still back in the day, 1930. And he's in this house. He doesn't know where he is. He finally comes to. He's on the set of this movie. The woman screaming (laughs) is Marion Davies, uh, you know, on set doing a scene. Um, And there's some MGM Paramount banter. They said, oh, you have a long night? He goes, no, a short night. I was plagued by spirits. Funny. Very mm-hmm. funny. Funny. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Marion Davies, played by Amanda Seyfried. I like her. I'm going to argue not worthy of an Academy Award nomination. Wait, she got nominated for this? Yeah, Best Supporting Actress. 
Oh, I, she's I, a supporting actress, I think. I, 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 I like her. Having seen her in a couple of other things, okay, she I looks she's... pretty, Liam. Is there anything beyond that? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Collins get nominated. At you least. got me. No. I, I would have put her. I, I would have put her above. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think say say free to second build. Uh, mm. I, I would disagree with that too. I would. I would probably. She's the second biggest star in the yeah. film. Yeah. But yeah, uh, but Marion Davies did not speak with a Brooklyn accent. But say free chooses to do so, or she's the instructed to do so they banter about parties and drunken festivities and there is a warmth between them very quickly there is a warmth between a lovely warmth a lovely warmth but they both travel in similar circles they've got lots of memories of fun times had together da 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 uh, not that kind of da 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 da. I really, I really liked the line. Well, what's at stake here? Yeah, and there's and there's a lot of smoke she's, there between them. She's tied to a stake. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, watch those stairs. Is they're this treacherous. A King Kong movie. It's not a King Kong. It's just some, it's sort, some of sort of movie. Witch hunt by the looks of it. Yeah. She's been tied to a stake, isn't she? She's been tied to a stake. And she asked for a cigarette. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were doing also like, really uh, funny. Like cowboys and Indians. Type yeah, there's all these there's all these horses coming over. Yeah, because there are there are there are people dressed as old. American, I'm gonna say Indians because a cowboy and Indian movie, yeah, yeah. Aboriginals, but in yeah. like the typical like, there's a whole pan of them just all waiting to come yeah. on. Yeah. So it is it is a cowboy and Indian movie? I love how you see the the cowboy, uh, the, the Indians. Is it cowboys? Cowboys, I think they're riding the horses, and you yep. see all the dust coming up, and you see the the tracks. The du- and the dust is fake; it's been blowing in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like how they go on the tracks. And you have the what 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 the dolly travels dolly on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, so you kind of see you know a little bit of how, how films are made. Yeah, and it's the only glimpse we really get of how films are made in the, in. The this film it was nice so yeah uh she wants to bum a cigarette and they have a charm filled banter until it's time to roll and then we meet tywin lannister himself charles dance playing william randolph hurst i thought he was fantastic in there i love charles dance oh great he's very good in this yeah yeah he also had some very well written lines though yep uh hurst just one speech in particular hurst wants to make art not just fodder um so he says i mean he is on cowboy and indians set yeah (laughs) and we get that he's spending all this money to prop up his mistress marion davies he is her benefactor so to speak yeah uh pops which is what she calls him can you imagine being in a relationship with someone and calling them pops strange isn't it so weird very very strange um and then um the lights are really 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 bright in this scene is all I've got here is they those giant lights that you don't think about them having light daylight mm. like this in order to film, but they do. You would, ha- I guess you would have to in black and white because it needs the extra exposure. We'll just do something. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, they, but- do, they do do a lot of movies. They tend to have the, the, the lights on their faces to give it that bit more of a, uh, an accentuated look. Yeah. Um, back in the writing room, present day, uh, his relationship Manx with his wife is in a bad way. Uh, it's not the sweet story, which is really interesting because we bookend it with these two scenes, don't we? Mm-hmm. We start with, um, is it a bad way? So by bookending these two scenes, you have the scene where it's so sweet. And then you have the scene where it's easily like at its most fraught. And you're mm-hmm. going, okay, something bad is gone. And the typist has lost her husband, we would guess, because he starts talking about, oh, your husband's in the Air Force. I don't think yeah. at this point. Oh, I picked up on this already. I don't yeah. think at this point America's in the war. If it's 1939, I don't think America's no, in the war no, yet. They're not in the war. They're not until 42, 41. She's 41. English, though, isn't she? Oh, I know, I know. Which oh, okay. is why he can speak like this, saying, it's stupid, they have U-boats, oh, okay, they will yeah, sink yeah. them. Yeah, it was Pearl Harbor, so... Yeah, Pearl Harbor. December the 7th, wasn't it? 1941? 
Sure. If you're American, help us out. Is Liam right? December the 7th. Or are we pushing the button from next week? Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this know. whole he thing knows. is very similar to Annie Hall. You don't see it, but like they just have the two juxtapositions of time and relationships, but for each person. Oh, okay. Like, would, I was going to say Woody Harrison. Woody Allen's like having a great old time, and then Amelia Hardy cuts to three, four years later, yeah. and they're bickering at each yeah, other's throats. Yeah, Blue Valentine does that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and then she gets this letter, this being uh, Lily Collins' character. What's her name? Oh, Rita. Rita. Yeah. And Rita storms out of the room. And of course, man goes smartest man in the room again, like his curse. Like he speaks yeah, yeah. what seems most logical. And then it happens. And we yeah. see him do this a few times yeah, where actually his, his intelligence puts himself others in harm's way, or at least just his foot in his mouth. Um, so then uh, she's, we, we, we go forward a few hours and she's I thought she was practicing the speech but she's actually doing the speech the problem is he's broken into this hidden alcohol oh, no. trove yeah. and is non-responsive he's out for the night this one so they have to call the doctor which felt very much like Susan Kane when she overdoses and they have to call for the doctor to go what, what's they happened didn't know what was in the bottles they thought it was just normal alcohol so for him yeah. to have passed out on one is same to me yeah um so Mank, uh, as he's passed out, uh, drops a bottle of liquor from his hand. That's a nod, obviously, to the snow globe opening scene from Citizen Kane. Yeah. Mm. Um, is this a touch. test from Orson? Obviously, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find that he's way behind time, and the story is scattered. We don't feel it's able for the audience to keep up with, but they feel it's brilliant, what he's got so far. He says, you cannot capture a man's complete life in two hours. All you can give them is the idea of one. Whose life are we talking about? Mm-hmm. We talking about yeah. we talking about Citizen Kane. We talking about Mank and the movie we're watching. Yeah, is it two hours? Do we really understand Mank, or do we just get an idea of him? I think we just get the idea. Yes. Of him. Yeah, I never thought yeah. of like that. There we go. Huh? Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah. Um, the Stooge leaves, and they've only got two weeks left to go. And they're going to write, talk about the white parasol segment and Bernstein as a character, and we swap the reels. And this is where we go to 1934, and we meet Louis Meyer from uh, MGM. Yep. played by Arliss Howard who was great at being slimy he was very yeah. slimy like Charles Dance wasn't slimy he no. was he was pompous but he wasn't slimy mm. like this guy slimy he was pompous <laughs> and calculated who Dance Dance yeah, 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 yeah. Um, turns out Baby Mank has a job interview as he's about to go in some other guy is thrown out and warned that if you come back here I'll cut your balls off I'm like <laughs> quite the job interview isn't it? it is isn't it uh he says as he's walking joe mankowitz and herman's long for the ride they're just sort of hanging out and they're flanking uh louis meyer and louis says we only have one star here leo the lion where the studio is bigger than the stars and that was part of the hollywood star system you were be, 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 be beholden to a single studio and that's who your contract was with and you couldn't do anything outside of that studio so they really controlled you yeah they, they did, did that was it you weren't back and sometimes yeah. you could go out on loan if they approved it. if they approved it but they could hold you and then there wasn't until 19 48 in the paramount court case where that changes that's how clint eastwood started out is it yeah he was yeah. Uh, on contract so that's why when we like something like it hot tony curtis it wouldn't have been able to be been made five years earlier because tony curtis wouldn't have been able to do because united artists is a small studio so they wouldn't be able to get him started with uh, charlie chaplin there you go so uh he says he's the boss and he wants you to know that and then he goes into this room and it's this theater full of uh of his workers and he gives us some passion speech about how times are tough it is the great depression I need you to take a pay cut. And they say, how much and for how long? And he says, 50%. I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we talked a little bit about when we just went through the pandemic and people were on, what was it called? 
Furlough. Furlough. And they were getting paid, I think, like 80%. So they took a 20% cut, basically. Now, to stay at home, not to not to go to work. Do the same thing, Mm -hmm. but yeah. But then to say, do all the work you always do, but we're only going to pay you half of that. And he says, in eight weeks, when the banks reopen, I'll put you back on full wage and I'll make up what you've given to me. So it's almost like we're going to hold back 50% for eight weeks. It's a hell of a gamble. But again, but but you'd rather have that than be well, out of it's, work. it's that or are you unemployed? Yeah, and look at the guy who that you see unemployed. And I think this speaks, I mean, this speaks to a big theme in the movie, which is, of course, he gets done. As soon as he comes back, he goes, how'd that come off? Like, oh, I went great, boss. And it's like, oh, wow, you slot, because yeah, the yeah, greatest yeah. actor in the film might be Louis, in the universe of the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most skilled actor is Louis Meyer. Mm-hmm. not marion davies not and he's yeah. not on screen but he sells them on it goes back and you're going and this opens up a really uh, running theme about uh i mean it's very this is a very democratically as far as republicans and democrats mm-hmm. this is a very left-wing centered sort of movie because we saw the man who controls the means of production abuse his employees mm-hmm. for his own personal it'll it'll, it'll shore up his shortcomings for the next eight weeks and he's not gonna give it back because what are they going to do? Work somewhere else? It's the depression. Exactly. There's nowhere yeah. to go. There's nowhere to go. So, um, and he, he even walks out with, a, like, they give him a standing ovation on the way out. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, got it. Present day, uh, Joe phones looking for Mank to adapt some of his existing works. Uh, they'll pay him a, a play that he already did. So they said they'll, they'll pay you for your play and they'll pay you to adapt it. So two paychecks. And he cottons on really quickly. Yep. But this is a bribe. Yep. This is about, because Joe then asks, why are you going toe-to-toe with, 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 with Hearst? And he goes, oh, I thought it was charity. It's a bribe. Okay. Uh, we go back to 1933, and W.R. Hearst is having a party uh, for Louis, Louis Meyer, and Mank's wife wants Mank to watch his drinking. You can see he's drinking, and when he drinks, he gets opinionated. Very opinionated. Which I'm sure all of us are guilty of at some point. <laughs> some more than others. Can you imagine, folks? I mean, the, 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 the verbiage I espouse now. We have witnessed this. Everyone's going, how cold. drunk do you get before every episode? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got to very- be a, a celebra- celebratory episode at some point if we hit a milestone. <laughs> I got very drunk last night, and apparently I was just singing really loudly. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) And welcome, welcome, welcome back to Best (laughs) Film. I was a bit tipsy last night. Alchematras. That's me sober. When I'm drunk, I'm drunk. So uh, the the, the secret is when he's drunk, he says it right. (laughs) So everybody raises a toast to William Randolph Hearst, and then Mank raises a glass to uh, Louis a Canadian, it turns out. Louis Meyer, he's like, you're, you're fortunate to be born on the 4th of July. He goes with a Canadian. I'm like, oh, great. Next <laughs> but that made sense. Louis, L-O-U-I-S, Louis, and not Louis. Yeah. yeah. So, um, French name. And William Randolph, I keep talking W-R and think it's wide receiver. William Randolph <laughs> tells us that the Germans are a thoughtful people. And this is more of that, like, Mr. Burling, like, yeah. the Germans don't want war. Nobody wants war. But they all dislike Hitler, but they think they the do. Germans are great. And the Germans are great because the German market is so big. And again, it's about economic gain versus mm. what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a conversation about, and Mank chips in, and he's correct again, going, we need to be careful. We need to watch out. And there's a great little scene about, yeah, communists and socialists, you hate them both. Well, in socialism, they share the wealth. In communism, they share the poverty. They do. Good line. You're good. Great line. Mm-hmm. Good line. Uh, outside, I've just got a, a thing that says nerds. 
Nerds. It's as black as night. Oh, so, nerds. So this is where um, Marion Davies starts speaking about something, and she oversteps her boundaries. She doesn't do, as we would say in today's verbiage, she forgets to stay in her own lane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she espouses some opinions about, I think it's Sinclair? I think so. Yeah. Who is, who is the great democratic hope in this film. And she sort of gets the look from W.R. Hearst, and she goes and runs outside and excuses herself, saying, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about anyway, and cuts her own cuts her own legs out from underneath. Mm-hmm. And she goes, uh, and then, of course, Mank is told by his wife to go sort of um, check, check yeah. on her. And there's a very interesting relationship between these two. I think it's more of a friendship, but it's less than romance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's really it's, nice, actually. It's not completely devoid of either. No. No, yeah. but it doesn't cross any lines. It's just a, a, like a real warmth, but more than friends. It's like a soulmate yeah. friendship. A, a soulmate friendship. That's probably yeah. a good way to put mm-hmm. it. Mutual yeah. respect. Yeah, but like deeply, yeah. deeply. Yeah. Like this is, you might say, they have found their person. Yeah. To yeah. use a line from Grey's Anatomy verbiage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, this Moonlight Stroll was filmed at Huntington Garden and Pasadena Mansion during the day, although it takes place at night. This was done using the old day-for-night technique, and shooting for it for the day was necessary for the lighting Messerschmitt needed for the scene. And uh, this is unique because he doesn't do uh, David Fincher's movies. He did a, a TV series on Netflix with, with David Fincher, and so this is kind of unique that he came on was for, that for this one here. Huh? Was that Mindhunter? Yes, it was. Oh. I was sitting here going, I wish I knew what the name of it was. I did yeah. I, I did look at it. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I see your value. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not saying Alchemist. Alchemist Jam. There yeah. we are. So, <laughs> while filming scenes set at night, uh, the filmmakers, Day for Night, which we talked about, to ensure this, they got the extra lights necessary, uh, Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried had their special contacts to protect their eyes so they wouldn't squint under the heavy lights. Uh, a technique we also saw uh, that was used in Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. because johnny depp had all those shots on the ship Mm -hmm. and you need him not to squint when he's looking into the sun so and we see i mean am i the only one who saw the outside of william randolph Hearst's mansion and thought it looked very xanadu like yes i think that's intentionally at one point she like yells and goes no one makes a monkey out of william randolph Hearst." she's doing that pacing but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the monkey Mm -hmm. it's a little it's hard Marion, does she come across she comes across at times really intelligent and at times she comes across quite infantilized well, he says that about her, doesn't he? Well, mm. not directly about her, but about when he does his speech about the woman, the love interest who's more intelligent than she lets on. And obviously it's about her, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. the, the version of her versus the, the version that people yeah. think yeah. they know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and so he spent $6 million to turn his girlfriend into a movie star. Uh, and then there's a, I just got my notes, there's a lovely fountain. It is yeah. a lovely fountain. It's a really nice fountain. And that is a nice fountain i like that fountain. <laughs> that is a nice fountain what was she doing on the uh blower the thingy on the phone yeah oh i think it's just the idea i think she's just showing off the wealth he's got oh okay you mobile could, phones back then yeah you, you you could look at it as a cry for help or a release i don't know if it's that you wonder what? if she was about to call try and call someone and then obviously man appears so she doesn't bother and just does turns it into a bit of a bit because he's didn't. got a drink and then she's got her own flask as well so there's a kinship there i, I mean they the both seem to be a full bottle, oh, a full bottle? Yeah. yeah she's got the flask then no, she's got the bottle. He's she's got, got the, the bottle. He's got the flask. Yeah. It was. It was, seemed hidden. So I didn't know if that was something like her doing something. Don't know. Untoward. Because <sighs> the whole movie asks you throughout, why is she okay with this? Is it just that he's making her a movie star? Is that worth all this? Who knows? I don't, I don't know if it really ever answers it. No. I don't think so. It does, but it gives us an answer we don't expect or want to hear. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think we have to wait to the end of the movie to talk about. Um, she wants to know if she's better as Elizabeth Barrett Browning or Marie Antoinette because Pops is going to b- make Louis buy both of them and she's going to be the leading lady in one of them. I, I got here. I really felt there was going to be a relationship between these two mm. with this scene. Yeah, I I assumed that. I and he comes, purposely done. he comes up with this great little bit. And I, I can't remember what one of the words are, but it's meters of something, meters of tome. The best place to meter is to meter alone. And then letters of whatever, letters of tome. The best advice given is to letter alone. Really lovely. He's, mm. he's the first verse, not his. He's he, he he's nicked that. The second mm-hmm. verse, his. That's his. Ooh. And really, cl- like really clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and she puts his, her head on his shoulder, like Jim and Pam. And we get the, uh, the the marks to change the reel. We're back to the present day. And Mr. Houseman's here, as is the support device, we're told. I love and the support device bit. They break into the support <laughs> device, and it's just bottles of wine. And they're just, or spirits, and they're just going to trade out the bottles yep. of spirits for the, for the stuff that knocks them out. And uh, he's only written 91 pages, and Houseman thinks he's only in Act 1. He's probably right. <laughs> uh, Orson wants to talk to Houseman, so off he goes. Mank wants to trade the Super Mickeys, I've called them, for the spirits he has bought. <laughs> Mickey Fins. It's okay. Um, Mank has sponsored. Uh, we find out from Fra- Fraulein Freda that Mank is a good man. Because Rita's going, going, oh, he's a terrible man. Don't do it. Don't, don't let him have his Because she, she tries to tell him, don't give him another thing or I will turn you in. And then Mank goes, you do exactly as you're told. And she goes, yes, Mr. Mankowitz. Yeah. And she goes, you shouldn't do that. You know, he's going to have. And she explains, like, you know, he sponsored 100 Germans to make their way to America, both for their safety and their financial um steadiness once yeah. they make it over so uh she says he, she says he wants to do a film about nazis and no one will touch it and, and so i he's a good man and i will do everything he wants and he's an adult and that includes bringing him a drink and you know we we, we do find out what this does for him but in the same breath you are an adult and if you want to yeah. throw your life away congratulations that's how freedom works yeah and it can be painful for people now i'm not here sitting here going pro alcohol is no i'm not no way. i'm not but he's sitting there in pain he's after what he's done for her i mean how could you ask for anything else exactly you couldn't only support him so yeah you have to go ahead if that's what he wants that's what he wants mm-hmm. and hopefully you can be there for him to stop when it, when, when it gets ready. to that point yeah, yeah. Uh, back we go to 1934 and rumors that the Hollywood studios are moving to Florida and of course this is just an empty threat okay, on behalf yeah. of the studios to keep the workforce down yeah. and keep them in line but it does make me happy because obviously a lot of the universal stuff is in Florida now which is really funny yeah so is, that, is that just a theme park well, it's the, yeah but the studios yeah. are there aren't they so it's oh, the theme park studios the actual movies are still being made in LA yeah no but the, okay yeah. um <laughs> Okay. Joe says that I Lou, enjoyed it. There we go. Joe says that Louis Meyer never paid them back the eight weeks of, of half pay, and he wants Herman to join the Screenwriters Guild. He had no no intentions of doing that. What Jordan? Oh, let's no, pay him back. Pay him back. He had no, no intentions. Well, maybe he went backstage. We're yeah, like, yeah, 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 it's never happening. <sighs> uh, and this is where Herman says, "Never join any club that would accept you as a member," which I believe is a Marx brother quote. That's cool. Uh, and then he gets called into a different room and says, why isn't Mank contributing to the anti-Sinclair fund? He's the only writer who's not being pressured by his boss to support a political... Oh, my word. 
Like, mm-hmm. if you think about the least American thing you can imagine, the idea about absolute freedom of an individual to, to and they're being told by their boss, this is how you will spend your money, not even how you will vote, how you will spend your money to support or not support a a specific uh, politician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood traditionally is very left-wing. Yeah. Very, very left-wing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he goes, you know what the greatest mistake you're making is? And the young execs like, what? What, what is it? He says, we can make King Kong look 10 stories high. We can make people think that whatever the world, re, re, not Rita Hayworth, but someone, yeah. is, is, is a virgin at 40 years of age. And you haven't clued in to the power you have. And what he's saying underneath the surface is you can do all that. You can frame anybody in whatever frame you – basically, this is the Citizen Kane speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, not, it's not a newspaper. It's a, it's a movie studio. But you can, Same thing, you can be so powerful in people's lives. But movie studios were back then. They they controlled everything. They stopped what was in the papers. They stopped what was said I think, about people. I think this is this in its infancy, though. I think this is when the when the, when the penny drops. Yeah. For what can happen, and he again, this is just Mank just spouting off because it's what he does because he's just being the cleverest guy in the room again. Um, and so um, we go to the Sinclair rally. And Sinclair seems like a decent man, but like everybody's like, yeah, he pays everybody to, you know, and all these lies that get spread about it. Um, we go back to present day and the script is finished. It's called The American, which was the original working title of Citizen Kane, uh, which is actually really a really dark idea if that becomes The American, because that means he sort of represents all Everyone. America. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they do a toast to support devices, meaning to alcohol. But there's. <laughs> The cause the of and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> but there is a support device installed above. There his is, bed. so you can sort but of a, li- a literal, fish- like literal one that helps. So if anybody up. asks, you go, oh, "That's what he's talking about." Yeah. When yeah. no one's actually the it's booze, mm. and it's um, never used because it's always got a teddy in it. And Houseman says, <laughs> "I never knew one could care so much about a sled." Uh, <laughs> Houseman says, "Mank might want to reconsider a writing credit." Which I was, it feels like a bit of an abrupt about face by Houseman, except for he's just so aware who's written this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he says, you know, but I have to ask you a question. Why Hearst? Outside of the blonde Betty Boop, he's the favorite dinner guest. Of course, the blonde Betty Boop is is, is Marion Davies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, keep but the enemy's closest. The fav- I don't. I don't think he sees Mank as an enemy. No, no. I think I think he sees Mank as an entertainment. Oh uh, yeah, because like, yeah, yeah, later on yeah. he says that. Yeah, because in S- well, we get to it. We get yeah, we get yeah, to the yeah, thing, yeah. but but it's very much a thing there. Yeah, and um. He says, are you familiar with the parable of the organ grinder's monkey, which we'll come back to. Mm-hmm. Back to 1934 flashback. Mank and Mrs. Mank are at the beach. God bless Gary Oldman for, like, wearing open shirt at his age. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. He went shy. Brave man. Um, we find out they're using professional actresses on the radio to win the election for the Republicans. And he's going, oh, I like that. I know that voice. Uh, MGM is hiring the homeless, we find out, to come as they are. It's going to be the home of pro-Miriam rhetoric. Um, and so, you know, uh, it's going to be all these white people who look, you know, like farmers and regular guys going, I really support Miriam. He wants to keep my way of life. And they have a black voter go, I'm voting for Sinclair because mm-hmm. it's time for something new. And mm. they have people who look poor and unemployed going, I'm voting for Sinclair. So the message is these people are enemies to your way of yep. life. Mm. If you like what you've got, and more than that, it's, it'd be one thing it's just people saying, I want to keep my you know, life the way it is. The minute you put other if you want to see them kept held down yeah. and not taking your spot, vote Miriam. Is this also around the time of the Red Mayor. Scare? Say Mayor, not Miriam. 
Miriam is Amanda Seafried. No, no Miriam. M E R R I A M. Miriam is the guy who's who's running for, for office, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Meyer. Oh. The Republican's yeah, yeah, yeah. name okay. is Miriam. Okay, I heard the names wrong all film. No, there's signs. Her name's Marion. Her name is Marion, M A R I O N. Yeah, and he's Miriam. He, this guy is Miriam, and the other one is Meyer. No wonder I was confused. So, and the thing is, once he sees this footage, it's pretty much what he said earlier. He basically said, he clocks in that basically he's caused this. Yeah. And he's going, oh. And it's got that raw news energy to it, which is what the director, uh, what was the director's name? Was it Shelly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it was Shelly. And Shelly's going, they let me direct. We saw Shelly doing like some second unit pickup shots on the Cowboy and Indians movie or mm-hmm. later on. And now they're finally letting direct something. And I get that. And maybe even more so when we find out what his end journey is. Um, and so um, he repeats the, the Mary Pickford and King Kong line from earlier. And he goes, oh, I've sort of, I think I've sort of caused this. And um, then we go to, um, he gets called into the office and the studio head, he's kind of going to go at him saying like, when I told you this, this is why I didn't mean you actually go and make it. And he went, they've paid him 12 grand to do it basically. Yeah. We've struck your gambling debt, which means basically we've paid you 12 grand to sink your own beliefs using what you said. So, which might explain the, the bet he makes later on. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he just doesn't. I don't want to be paid yeah. for this. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mank figures out that William Randolph first paid for the uh, ad. Uh, he's told that Marion is headed to Warner Brothers. She's moving at the same time as the scenery, which was interesting. I love this. Oh, my word. I love this scene. Get into the car. And he's like, you need to tell them that, that, that Willie <laughs> has changed his mind. I need to make that. Fun. She goes, no, I can't. It's not easy. To, I can't. Why? I haven't made, I've already made my exit, (laughs) which is the most vain thing. Yeah. 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 And he doesn't doesn't fight it, but I think he realizes like how ridiculous this world of fakeness, the scenery is literally being moved by car. And yet the power of this fake thing has over the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Um, yeah, so he can't stop laughing, and I think it's part of the phoniness of film versus yeah, yeah, the thing yeah. of real life, yeah. Um, so at present day, Mank shows Charlie the work, and this is, oh, this is her. He goes, yeah, it's him, but it's not her. It's more her as people who don't know her imagine her, and Charlie takes the script and says he might show Marion. And that's about it. We now go to election eve. And this was a, 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 an interesting. From here, the election becomes really, really important. Mm. So they go to the Trocadero nightclub. Uh, Liam, you told me it was very Art Deco. It was very Art Deco. Yeah. yeah. I, I like Art Deco. Sinclair is losing and Mank is angry about the less than honorable reasons why he's losing. Yeah. And he goes ahead and he really takes it out and starts kind of attacking Meyer and saying, if it wasn't for you and all your, your fake stuff. And he wants to do a bet uh, double or nothing because he says it's a democracy for the people by the people for the people, or for he, the people, he, by ba- the people. he basically makes a bet doesn't he that Sinclair's going to overcome his deficit yeah but he pays 24,000 is it uh, it'll be I, he, if, I owe you 24 grand or break even or, so yeah. he, he's not going to Sin- benefit off this no no so the only thing he won't do is he won't be paid for yeah. what he's done if anything he will actually have a debt because of it yes yeah and therefore, I, I should be wants, punished. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And his wife says she's going to go throw up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's a really weird montage of liquor and numbers being posted, and it's all very Twilight yeah, Zone yeah. in its sort of cinematography. 
and he loses and he shrugs and that's all there is to it and his wife finally comes back because she needs some air and they dance uh, Miriam wins big and they they thank Mank for a group effort it was a group effort wasn't it mm-hmm. and uh, Shelley uh, the director of a newsreel feels it's all his fault and then we later find out from his wife he's gone out with a pistol and he's drunk oh I don't like mm. this bit oh this this, this hit me well, before that, let's go back to the present day. So Joe Mankiewicz goes, why are you doing this? And obviously, it's his return fire at the, at the modern sort of news. He goes, it's very complicated. And Herman continues to argue that it's not Marion. And this is what we talked about last week when we did Citizen Kane, was that the idea that she, the woman Susan in the film is ordinary. And this film doesn't even believe that Marion Davies is extraordinary. Yeah, it does yeah. do that. It does. Yeah. Uh, Joe says he's here on behalf of the secondary characters. <laughs> but she literally is. It's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that I feel that in my life. Like, I feel like I am here on behalf of the secondary characters as well. Okay. <laughs> uh, people are, but Joe says people are speculating that Rosebud is William Randolph's nickname for Marion's genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves that. And he said, if I had known that, <laughs> it would be. Yeah. And he says, I'm washed up, Joe. I have been for years. And before Joe leaves, he goes, it's the best thing you've ever written. That was nice. Mm. Yeah. One writer to another. It was like the nod, what is it? Yep. Back to election night, and um, Mank finds Shelley and says, if you're going to kill yourself, don't. I've been trying for years. It's not going to work. slow death. The alcohol, yeah. Shelley even hears the whole thing is Mank's idea. Like, don't beat yourself up. I came up with this. They just made you film it. Yeah. Um, and we find out that uh, Shelley has Parkinson's. And so his one claim to fame. So you're in limited time. So I wanted to write something before I die. Mm-hmm. So he does. And then the one thing his fingerprints are obviously on has made the world the worst place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting because we had a little bit earlier on in when they have the discussion when he's first making the films and he like his he spills the coffee, doesn't he? Um, oh, I hadn't clued on that. That's right. He said it was um, nerves. He yeah. said it was. Yeah, he said it was nerves. And now you realize actually the reason for it wasn't that at all, and it kind of puts it all in perspective. And he goes through the downward, you know, journey he's headed for. And we know this modern day probably best through Michael J. Fox is probably what we know best. And Muhammad Ali. Oh, and Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So um, and so you know it's not really gotten really that much better but obviously back then it would have been considerably worse and with a lot less hope and so um he says give me the gun shelly and shelly gives him the bullets and tells mank to go home and i'd be like i'm sorry to be pedantic maybe it's a teacher in me if i said give me the gun you give me the bullets i'm going i didn't ask for the bullets No, same (laughs) i thought exactly the same i asked for the gun yeah mank is woke up to hear his number visitor and it is marion davies it is in a very flashy car it's a lovely car. It's a lovely reveal of her out the, out the oh, door. Oh, it's beautiful. Really yeah. Lovely. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and she's smiling. And even though she doesn't like the movie, yeah. there's still warmth. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. still exists. And so Pops is down, we find out. And Marion had to give William Randolph a million dollars. And he said, not your jewelry. He goes, no, I sold some land. Land he gave me in the first place. Um. And then she sort of talks about her own story. And maybe if you want to tell me there's maybe a nomination in here, it might be this scene where she talks about, well, when Pops used to come to see her at this sort of show where she was a dancer yeah. and sat in the front row. And when her mother heard that uh, Pops was one of the richest men mm-hmm. in America, her own mother said, kick a little higher, which um, yep. 
That got me. Yeah, she said she was determined. She wasn't just going to be, you know, Mary, whatever, from, from Brooklyn. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. going to be better than that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she says, am I persuading you at all? And obviously, obviously not. Uh, he's, he, this is his film. He's going to make it. She's not angry with him either. No, 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 no. They part on really nice terms, um, actually. He says, I hope if the film gets made, you'll forgive me. Oh, and I she goes, this. and I hope if I stop it from getting made, you'll forgive, forgive me. me. Yeah. And they just smile. And that's that. There's a genuine mutual respect from the both. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think there is. Like, the, the warmth is still there. I mean, yeah. we shoot them a lot here from opposite sides to suggest confrontation. Yeah. But I do think there's a warmth here. I think so. And we go back to 1934. Oh, yes. We go back to 19... Because we did... Sorry, I didn't mention that. When we find out that uh, his wife, um, Shelley's wife, said that he comes back gives him the bullets gives him the bullets yeah. goes to walk away and goes to walk away yeah. and she cries because it looks like a gun at first the shape of the yeah, of, yeah. The, of, of the, the cloth of yeah. the cloth looks like yeah. a gun and she cries and he had a whole box of bullets when he left and then we cut back to the studio and there's a there's a outside look there's a bang and there's like a a, a flash there yeah so then we go to uh 1936 flashback and we think i wrote in my notes oh it's shelly's funeral nope, nope. it's <laughs> irving g thurlberg yeah. the young studio exec and so does uh, it, we're not given a reason i don't i don't think we got a reason as to why he no, died to be said in the eulogy that it is it's not our place to it's not our place so i yeah. think we're supposed to assume he's committed suicide as well i think i think so under the pressure under the pressure and under the maybe the idea that he too has sold out everything he was and he talked about politics he he was a younger man he was uh, a socialist and handed out socialist propaganda until some some republicans came and grabbed his testicles until he distributed his leaflets into the river instead yeah and that's what politics, politics is yeah. so you know the means have changed but don't don't tell me that politics it was it was ever better than this we've just changed the game so to speak and mayor with his uh crocodile tears yeah so he's offered a job one of the studio execs goes hey come come get a job at international he says you told me that last funeral and i couldn't get past your secretary secretary oh, yeah. I love that. and he goes well it's good to see you she's <laughs> thinking that phoniness yeah and very then out comes meyer louis meyer crying holding the handkerchief to his eyes inconsolable almost gets into the car drops the handkerchief and he's fine and they drive off yeah. and it's like this this is just this is your guy this is the guy who spoke for you he was the guy you groomed the guy who was your voice and just he is in many ways the character is the handkerchief discarded and driven away mm-hmm. from and just left there mm-hmm. And, you know, he said, I only like movies that make me feel something, make me cry. And, you know, it's all just, you know, again, the best actor in the film. Yeah. Louis Meyer. So uh, we go to uh, modern day and it's uh, we get a telephone call and it's Orson Welles and Orson approves of the first draft. Uh, no one wants to touch it though so RKO is going to have to sue to get it shown because back in the day what happened is um, movie studios had relationships with movie houses to show them oh, okay. so you, if you wanted to see a Paramount picture you'd have to go to a Paramount movie house oh. and things of that nature so they controlled all three forms of production your production, yeah, your yeah, distribution yeah. and your exhibition so the 1948 Paramount court case changes that and basically says no you can't do that so that's why we don't have to drive to a, no that's an American thing but for, for, for kicks and giggles we don't have to drive to the Marvel Cinema House to watch <laughs> to watch Bla- Black Widow whenever it finally comes out we yeah. get to see everything at the Majestic we can just go see it at the good old Majestic <laughs> yeah. in Kingsley. I miss Kingsley. Majestic so um, yeah so as a result they're going to have to sue 
And then we're told um, that Marion has tried to shelve the picture. And he thinks it's what? Hearst? No, not Hearst. Yeah. It's Marion. And that's a. uh, And he kind of just goes, okay, fine. That's what it is. Yeah. And we go back to the flashback and we find out MGM's on track for its most profitable year ever. And there's a party at Hearst's house. Now, keep in mind everything that's taken place, the people who have died, the money he's made off them. It's several years, but the money he's made off the back of the people who gave everything for him, and yet he's fine. And they're dressed up in a costume party. Oh, I love this and costume does party. This Not speak, only a costume party, a circus yeah. theme. And mm. does this speak to the facade yeah. of Hollywood, the oh, fakeness yeah. of it? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody plays a part, and especially with the metaphor we're about to have dropped on us. And let's talk about the costumes for a minute in general, because I thought it would be a good place to talk about it here. When designing the costumes, uh, costume designer Trish Somerville and production designer Donald Graham Burt used the noir and monochromatic filters on their iPhones to see how they would look in black and white. That's That's cool. cool. Very cool. Because the film was shot in black and white, not converted afterwards. And meant Somerville had to pick colors that would pop. She looked at photos from 1930s Hollywood to see what was worn at the time. A lot of red. Really clever red idea, looks, though. Red looks black. I know that much. Yeah. Blue, looks, I like, I like blue Dave, looks red. I like Dave's outfit. That's very white. Hers, yeah. Hers look great. And yeah. uh, and I believe Charles Dance Hurst looks like the ringmaster. Yeah. I believe. He's got a, a, a flashy type thing, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's the ringmaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's supposed to be golden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like you even need to put Charles Dance in a costume to make him look like a ringmaster. I think yeah. it's just because it might just be because I'm so familiar with him as. Hang um, on, well, I hear you, but it is going to—it's going to be very important with the stories in a tell in a minute. Yeah. So oh, yeah. they feed Mank, but put him on the edge of a table, and we hear them talking about how um, you know Marion could have been Marie Antoinette. And and I'm sorry, I have sat at cast parties down long sort of mm-hmm. squ- uh, rectangular tables where there's a person beside you on each side. Like Once you get more than two people away, you can't hear anything. No. <laughs> you can't hear a dang thing. No one else must have been A circular table, table is always much better because yeah, you, yeah. um, you can have a group conversation or you can have individual conversations right, across, across ways. Yeah. But you do a table like that, you are forced to the person right in front of you and beside you on each side. Really. Yeah. That's what your limits and are. That's it, you might yeah. get a diagonal, but that's about might. it. And that's yeah. about it but he says marion antoinette marionette and that's funny on two levels a it's just the names punched together mm-hmm. but a puppet and she is his puppet theoretically yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh back to modern day uh mank is being lectured by poor sarah which is his wife's name i don't know why she's poor but she was poor because she's married to mank poor sarah no oh, maybe yeah. Yeah. that's what that's what she's referred to as he goes why do you put up with me my movie star looks or my diplomat's charm of course he's got neither no <laughs> She goes, I'm never bored. I have to stick around to see how it all turns out. Whatever you decide, please be mindful of those who care about you most. And says one more thing. Nobody calls me poor Sarah Sarah, anymore. That was nice. And I guess by calling her poor Sarah, it's actually a dig at Mank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she's poor Sarah because she has to deal with Mank, as was just said. So back to a 1937 dinner party, and we get the scene. And it's the Don Quixote scene where he pitches a movie. A 1937 uh, sorry, a modern-day version of Don Quixote, a deluded old man who points at windmills. Make him a newspaper man. He wants more than readership, more of an adulation. He wants love. Now, while this is also William Randolph Hearst, he's pitching Citizen Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is what he's doing. We lean a little less heavy into the Don Quixote side of it. I love how he uses other people around the table. Yeah. These characters. That's great. 
and says, so what do we do, though? We need him to be good when he's younger. So how to make the audience root for him? I know. We give him ideals. Now, I question whether Citizen Kane has ideals at the start of that movie. Yeah, he, he does. He, he thinks he's got ideals. I, yeah. But on day he one, he's, he's like, people. on day one, though, he's like lying. Yeah. Let's send them out and pressure them and tell them this. Yeah, 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 true. It's really so, interesting. I obviously, I watched this film immediately after Citizen Kane, and I was like, everything is falling into place yep. for me now. Like, I'm just really absorbing everything. So those words are used to describe a young William Randolph Hearst, and he places the whole film ahead of us. And it's a great speech, and he finishes the speech, and he's cast oh. the whole movie, and then he stops, bends over, and pukes on oh. the carpet. Oh. <laughs> and that's where most of the people get up. Which, again, is this great juxtaposition. People have been leaving the whole time. Yeah. yeah. They've been leaving all the way through. And... um Louis says, you're nothing but a court jester. And this is where he finds out that Hearst pays half his salary. I think he was genuinely shocked. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's just Hearst and Mank left alone at the dinner party, and we fade to black. Because we're going to transition. We're going to cross-cut a couple more times. Mm. Um, Dance once said that a scene involving a drunken Mankowitz took over 100 takes. It's got to be this scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's like, what? It's like a seven, eight-minute monologue of just... And you'd have right. to shoot it from a bunch of different angles yeah. and over mm-hmm. and over again. And so Seyfried said that one of her scenes took over a week and 200 takes to shoot. She said, it does feel like Groundhog Day in a way, but that's how Fincher captures things that most people don't. She said she didn't even have any lines of dialogue, which makes me that's think it, it's the scene. Yeah, yeah, that, that, she, yeah. We just keep cutting to her and she doesn't say anything because no, that's not looks. her lane. Yeah. Um, Gary Oldman says, has said to David Fincher, David, I've done this scene a hundred fucking times. <laughs> and Fincher said, yeah, I know, but this is 101. Recent. <laughs> <laughs> Frustrating. <sighs> two, 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 two egos swinging. Yeah, really. I know what I want. Yeah. You sign up for a Fincher film, you know, no. Um, modern day Orson shows up. Uh, Mank says, He's 43. <laughs> love. I love, Mank might be 43, Gary, but you are an old man. Mm, yes, well. uh, we shall see, won't we? We will. The second time you've used that joke. I know. Well. I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> says he's not going to walk away. He could now. His hip's all fixed, it looks like. Uh, now he wants credit. And we go back to the dinner party. And we get, After are you familiar? face by Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we go, are you Give familiar? Give me some cigars. Muy pronto. <laughs> Are you familiar with the parable of the organ grinder's monkey? And this is where we get the, the organ grinder's monkey thinks, aren't I special? Everybody, I put on this little thing and everybody comes out to see me. And this poor guy who plays for me, every time I dance, he is forced to play mm-hmm. for me. And he's connected to me through this collar around my neck. And he has no freedom. And when I choose to dance, he must play. And then he's kicked out of the house. And of course, the joke here is, Mank is the monkey, yeah. mm-hmm. and the organ grinder is uh, Hurst. And don't confuse yourself into thinking it's the other way around, because you do all these little dances and you do all these little speeches, and you think you're you're upsetting the system. That's why I bring you round. Yeah, say your bit. Go ahead. That's why he's so it calm. amuses me because he's not paid for what he does. He's not paid for what he writes. No. He's paid for what he says. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> Like a now, that whole second half is all inferred. You have to get there yeah. outside of it because we just get told the parable and he says, good night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And literally like pushes him out the door. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So we go back to the meeting with Wells and Wells 
kind of cracks open this case of spirits and sees that the old switcheroo has happened <laughs> and uh he gets angry and throws the crate and smashes it and manquish is like that's exactly that's it we need. <laughs> we need we we need Cain to get violent and he starts writing <laughs> it's a purging act of violence and uh we do find out that the scribe's husband Rita's husband has been found on the Orkneys which is what she was claiming to earlier I believe in her speech that he hope. never hears yeah. I believe yeah. there's still hope yep. I believe that he's alive I know they say presumed presumed doesn't mean found yep. and they I'll found find. him and uh, he goes, so she goes, are you ever serious? And he goes, only about something funny. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so we cut to February 1942. Uh, the winner for best original screenplay goes to Herman J. Mankiewicz and Orson Welles for Mank. Mankiewicz, of course. Sorry, not for Mank. <laughs> <laughs> Citizen Kane. For Citizen Kane. And we were told, Better. we were told that they were booed. Every time the, the the film was mentioned at the Academy Awards, not so much in this film. I, no. I think it would be hard to explain why it was booed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and the voice that says, "Unfortunately, uh, Howard Herman Mankiewicz and Orson Welles couldn't be here tonight." That voice is actually the real voice of Ben Mankiewicz, a grandson of Herman J. Oh, that's nice. He's now a presenter for Turner Classic Movies, which frequently airs films by Herman Mankiewicz and his brother Joseph. Hey, Aww. that's cool. So uh, we go to a quick radio press conference, which is done in black. And that's the real voice of the Orson Welles. Yeah. And I knew that. Because we, we, we were having a debate about what one word was. And so we turned on the subtitles. And that's when it says real Orson Welles voice. I knew that before we looked at <laughs> yeah. that. Well, I, yeah, you did. I'll yeah, give you that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But just, to, just for confirmation, we're just going, how do they know that? We yeah, clicked yeah. it on and it said. We did, yeah. Uh, and it says, Mank, you can kiss my half. Not hat, as I no, thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was thought, hat. Yeah, it's no, not, it's not hat. I thought it was hat, too. And, mm. some, uh, and so you might have thought it was backside. You can kiss my ass. But it's actually half, as you can kiss my half of uh, the writing credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At which point, then, we, we get a nice little speech of a very awkward-looking uh, Herman J. Mankiewicz. And I yeah. always like it when actors are able to convince me they're not natural or comfortable actors. <laughs> in front of cameras. I yeah, think that's yeah, yeah. really clever when they can sort of like when a singer can be a bad singer or when a dancer can be a bad dancer, but an actor when they can act like they're all anxious and nervous in front of a camera. I think mm. it's really clever. Um, he says, I am pleased to accept the screenplay in the manner for which it was written in the absence of of Orson Welles. <laughs> Such a good line. And they go, oh, how come he shares credits? He goes, that is the magic of the movies. Yeah. And he holds up the Oscar. There's a high flash, which overexposes him for a minute. And there's a slow zoom as the following Chiron reads. Herman Mankiewicz would die 11 years later of complications from alcoholism. He would never work with Orson Welles, nor write an original screenplay, or fight for screen credit again. He confided in a friend. I seem to have become more and more a rat in the trap of my own construction. A trap I regularly repair whenever there seems to be danger of an opening that will enable me to escape. He was 55. And then everything else disappears, and we just see he was 55. And it's perfectly centered underneath mm -hmm. him. And that is the film. Just one last little tidbit. David Fincher admits to Total Film that his preference for shooting multiple takes exhausted his leading man, Gary Oldman, in the beginning of production, adding, I'm fairly didactic about these are the things the scene needs to accomplish for me, and we will continue to play to look for ways to underline these ideas that are as subtle as we can make them. 
Fincher continued, it's a hard thing to say to actors, I want a cohesive great performance in the master shot, and then I want a cohesive great performance in the alternate master, and then I want a cohesive great performance in the over the shoulder, and I want a cohesive great performance in his over the shoulder onto you, and I want the singles, because I don't want to cut a scene based on where you're at personally on Tuesday. I think I could go into the edit room knowing I was going to have to cut around somebody who didn't deliver. Part of it is you cast really good people, really great people, and get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. yeah, I used to know a guy who uh, did some some amateur dramatic directing, and they told me that half the battle is just. They said, when, when, "Once you cast the right people, jobs half done." Yeah, and then the secret is you get you 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 accentuate their strengths and you hide get their Liam weaknesses. to learn his lines. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I he my lines. He did. He did. <laughs> I even picked up a few. He people. did. That's right. So yeah, you know. Um, it, Love you, bud. But this is, Love you, too. you know, and, and that's the secret to sort of directing, but you got part of it, you know, man management and just David Fincher just, you know, I think you, you were, if anybody was reading this, they would go, okay, I think I know what I'm getting in for if I'm on a Fincher film. Yeah. It just is what it is. And especially it's a Fincher film, but it's a Fincher film that was written by a different Fincher. Yeah. And what does that mean? I think mean? that was a labor of love for him, though. Oh, absolutely. You know? This is not a traditional David Fincher work. No. no. It's not, no. It feels very <laughs> different to his others. Yeah. I was shocked when it said Fincher. I was like, uh, nah, nah. which is interesting because the only other fincher film that i've seen is fight club and famously do not particularly like you didn't fight see girl club. dragon had to no it was it was in the summer oh was it okay yeah. you didn't see seven was in the summer too was it yeah. yeah okay fair enough i'm gonna push a button here Ooh. We're in the end game now. And we are in the end game now. Yeah, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the money. What is maybe the more fun game is what do we think the budget for this was? Oh. I've seen some stuff whilst doing a bit of That's research, fun. so I'll bow out. Uh, we'll go with Liam. I'm going to say low. I'm going to say 20 million. 20 million. 90. 90. Like 90. Two ver- nine zero. Okay. Yeah. And Ellie? I'll go down the middle and say 50. All right. Uh, the actual total was $25 million. Whoa. So pretty close. Yeah, yeah, Come really, on. really no. quite, which is part of the reason I'm going, is this a Netflix? I'd be very curious because the, mm. the financials, now it's an independent film. Absolutely, it's an independent film. Yeah, yeah. Okay? It's not a big studio backing it from minute one, but uh, I am curious. Which one would you have? Which what would I have? Which studio? They're all in the film. Well, RKO doesn't exist anymore. Uh, no, but like mm. a lot of like MGM and... Universal MGM's been bought MGM just got bought out actually by Amazon last week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know how Amazon would feel actually Amazon would feel about Netflix kind Netflix of putting it to it, them. Not, not big on oh, Amazon Prime. That's why MGM has got their own little subscribe bit on the Amazon does it prime yeah. it's just it's literally just happened last oh, week okay. so they'll have yeah. i mean you're not gonna see like james bond movies released first on amazon like it'll still be in cinemas yeah, yeah but yeah. then they'll find their home on on amazon prime without yeah. question yeah, yeah, yeah so that's good and there's other things like uh, I, uh like oh, what else was there's a bunch of stuff anyway underneath that umbrella of mg wow. films so yeah uh i think the wizard of oz yeah yes. part of it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh what do we think it took in in it's very limited theatrical run Ooh. I know this, so yeah, I okay. Yeah. Nine grand, nine grand. Yeah, what? Oh. It's gonna be low. <laughs> I'm gonna even if it's over for a weekend, like on one screen, you can make one nine grand. Just say, the majestic <laughs> might have made nine grand. I'm gonna say seven million. Seven million. Ooh. Ellie. Five million. Okay. Uh, somehow Ethan is is closest. <laughs> <laughs> 122,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. really, really kind of... I, I imagine, how the I imagine it the played like in California, like select cities for like 
like a weekend, I think, oh, is what okay. I got. Very like, limited release. Oh, I thought was only a weekend. Oh, I, I, I know specifically what it well, was. Well, you know what I mean. If, if Mank you, was released for a limited world, a theatrical release in the U.S. on November 13, 2020, before stream, beginning to stream worldwide on Netflix, December 4, 2020. Uh, the film played in 75 theaters. Okay, that's and did, more than nine and did similar business to other indie releases, The Climb and Ammonite, each which averaged about $300 per venue, which would mean a 22500 debut for Mank. Okay. Upon the film's release on the Netflix, it managed to finish in the top 10 on its first day. IndieWire wrote it didn't just gain the attention of the other it didn't gain the attention of the other high-profile originals like Bloods, uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7, and Hillbilly Elegy, all of which debuted in first or second place. Uh, I've done this thing where I've got hyperlinks and didn't tell to print in black and white, so I'm trying to read like <laughs> the most faintest grayscale ever. I do wonder if it didn't get the popularity, because I don't know whether it's an American thing as well, but the word mank means something in the, in England. Yeah. Mank is like disgusting. No, mank yeah, is one from Manchester, isn't it? Mancunian. No, that's a Mancunian. But yeah. the, the short form for that is mank. Yeah, but it's spelled the C, well done, Kate. Okay. But, yeah, but mank is a is a slang term. Is it? Like, you're gross, you're disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. oh, that's mank. Oh, so okay. Mank. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder if that know. had any effect at all, because if you saw that, I mean... On what? Like, on, what? on Netflix or on, or on the... Netflix in the UK. Oh, well, maybe. Mm. I mean, I'm nominated for, for 10 Oscars, and I'll probably get you away with it. Well, I yeah. always say, like, Oscar-nominated mank. Yeah. And but before that, I mean, before yeah, it was nominated. Definitely maybe, better than Hillbilly Elegy. That film sucks. Um, I mean, the usual question at this point is whose story is it? Well, let's not be idiots here, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> I think Maryland. it's... Uh, what is... A monkey. What is the story here? It's part of Manx's life because we don't see the beginning of it and we don't see the very end of it either. Nor do we see giant parts in the middle of it. Yeah. I think it's to give credit to someone who people think needs more credit. The than story is... Given. Now, he says that's not what the purpose of this film is. It's the story mm. of the story of Citizen Kane. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's a bit of a fetch. I don't think it's entirely about the production of... Like, the story of Citizen Kane. It's just about... It's not the production, it's the, it's the writing, yeah. Of, yeah. It's writing process. Because you keep flashback to him the, writing in, it. The inspiration of Citizen Kane. Well, what do you? Well, you've given you're given a short amount of time to write something, right? What do you write about? You write something you know, something yeah. that's real. Something well, that's, that's, what, that's what the movie tells us. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what. If you want to write something genuine, you write something about something you know, don't you? I don't know. I mean, there's people Depends who have, if you're a good yeah, writer, I think, I think, just spitball yeah, stuff. Yeah. If he's the world's greatest writer, which he, the he film tells us, it like kind that, of is. He? If he's the world's greatest writer, why does he lazily fall back on his life? Well, if someone says. Um, the best writers write about what they know. And that's he, what that's what had, the guy says when he drops them off in his room. Which yeah, sort of, and Mank yeah. had a line about, I've yet to re- meet that writer or something like that. I can't remember yeah. exactly what it was. So I don't think he agrees with that, but I think he does it because yeah. it's a big part of his life. I think, it's, I think it's dumb because the movie wants to tell us that this is mm. his, his life yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, Mank yeah. is um, Slumdog Millionaire, but for fans of cinema. <laughs> Am I wrong? I think so. <laughs> I know, it's like, hey, here's this one bit of, like, information yeah, yeah. from, like, yeah. either the question you need or the film. We'll, we'll explain what this means What you life. need, what you need, I hear you. What you in order for your, your argument to make, to, mm. to, 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 to hold, which it's not yeah. impossible for, mm. but the audience needs to be acutely aware of Citizen Kane. True. If yeah, you see this do. without Citizen Kane, a lot of this is lost on you. Mm. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of this is lost on you. Yeah, I, think, I think that's mainly just because 
I watched this immediately after, so yeah. I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. so if you consider it a companion piece, which is what which is which is what we oh, did, I, th- it's, I think it is. It's why I scheduled Citizen yeah. Kane for 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 next for, for, for before this, mm. uh, so that we could sort of have that knowledge going into this. I'm very glad that we did. Oh, I wouldn't been able to follow same, it same. at all. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think this is the same thing. I think the, the story of this is the exact same thing he says about Citizen Kane. How much can you know about a man's yeah. life in two hours? That's why, exactly. and it gives us a glimpse of his life. Of his life. Yeah. We don't know who Mank is. We know Mank has troubles. Mm. We don't. You know, it gives us a Chiron at the end okay great we know mm-hmm. he was an alcoholic we know he's an alcoholic we know, we know he, he was 55 we know he seems to have a positive relationship with his wife although that seems to be a little bit inflexible at times mm-hmm. yeah or flexible at times yeah yeah um but you know and we know that he's a writer who seems to have the respect of his peers but can't work because he can't uh he can't Doesn't stop talking studios, yeah uh, so let's talk about the awards. Uh, the film earned a leading 10 nominations at the 93rd Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Oldman, Best Supporting Actress for Seyfried. Uh, it won for Best Production Design and Best Cinematography. Uh, it well also deserved. received a leading six nominations at the 78th Golden Globe Awards, including Best Motion Picture Drama. There are a bunch of people. Let me finish with this last point before I say this. Mank received more Academy Award nominations, 10, than Citizen Kane, which received nine. It also <laughs> won two while Kane only won one. There are a bunch of Citizen Kane fanboys all butthurt about this. And I'm here to say it's not comparing one film to the other. No. It's not what we do with yeah. best film ever. No. You can only compare this film about against the other films that came out that year. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that the, the field this year wasn't as strong because it was 2020. In what world would you go, well, yeah. Meg's got two and it's based on Kane, which only has one. So that's not right. Like, well, give your head a shake. Yeah. You're, like, you're comparing <laughs> the design of Mank a really well done film to like I don't know Sonic the Hedge like you, you have a very small amount of choices yeah, for I mean, films this year like the cinematography it was it was good I, I don't you remember. can see where they're trying to emulate yeah um, oh very Kane. much so there's like there's some parts of deep focus which you touched base on yeah yeah although yeah. there's some bits where they also used you shallow focus as yeah, well yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a question do you think it's because like Citizen Kane is the f- was the film until Paddington 2 came along. <laughs> I have to say that. But it wasn't the film until Paddington 2 came along. It was the yeah. film even after Paddington 2 came along yeah. and then they unearthed. I think yeah. Paddington 2 like, spiked that. It's Pad- fake news. Paddington yeah. 2 has um, lost it again now, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, is it? I yeah. believe Paddington it got 2 dropped got by dropped. some yeah. very oh, angry guy called Neville. William um, Randolph Hearst finally got his revenge <laughs> yeah. on Citizen Kane. <laughs> 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 but the question In is... the form of Paddington 2. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you look at that negative review, it's from, it's from a Hearst <laughs> newspaper. <laughs> Do you think, though, a lot of it is also, this is the story of, like, one of the greatest films that's been perceived by for generations. Do you think it's also that legacy of Citizen Kane? Elevating it a bit as well. Oh, I think if it's not that the Citizen Kane, I mean, that gets you in the door. Yeah. That gets yeah. you to watch it. It doesn't necessarily get... Now, it does get you to go look at... The, isn't it clever how you have these clear intertextual references, both in the sense that we, we talk about it in Kane, but also the elements which are going... Okay, this could apply to Kane or to, or to Mank's actual life story. Um, Even but, in production as well. But there have been tons of movies about the making of films, plays, things like that, mm-hmm. which don't pull it off with as much skill... As this one does. As this one yeah. does. Or artistically either. Yeah, 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 it's kind of what I mean by skill. Yeah, it's just it's just the artistry in it. Um, you've got, I mean, Gary Oldman is is Gary Oldman all over. I mean, at the end of the day, this is. I mean, someone's here for the secondary characters, but it really wasn't much in this film because, really, the day it's really it's really Gary Oldman and a couple and his you know 
yeah. wandering from shot to shot, acting at someone else. Mm-hmm. But how many scenes do we get where he's not in it? Not very many. Not many. Like, I think literally it would be less than a handful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the one about like the workers getting 50% and maybe two hours. Yeah. yeah. And, that, that's and even that, though, then, he was backstage. He's ba- behind the stage. Yeah. So he's technically he's there. He's yeah. aware of what's going seen, on. Yeah. yeah. So our perspective is so limited to him. I mean, so, you know, are there elements in this where I saw his darkest hour, Winston Churchill, when he's struggling in the bed and being a little bit cantankerous? Yeah, absolutely there was. You know, there's some bits where I'm going, okay, you're playing the hits a little bit, Mr. Oldman. Uh, Probably why I would probably, I don't know what he was against, but I would say, you know, did did I prefer him in other films? Yeah, I prefer him in Darkest Hour. I really like this. And I like him in Sid and Nancy as well. I so think I can that. only compare him to his performance as Sirius Black. Um, oh, I which forget is, that. Which is amazing. Oh, he's great. What yeah, about what about what about uh, Jim Gordon? Jim Gordon in Batman. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he's quite good in that. <laughs> he, he I forgot that, that was him. It's a different film. Yeah, yeah. What about the Fifth <laughs> Element? <laughs> what about Dracula? <laughs> Dracula. What about the Hitman's Bodyguard? Yeah. Oh my word! I thought you were making fun, but that's so true. I remember. I remember how disappointed I was in him in that film. I'm like this. Gary Oldman deserves better than this crap. Yeah. yeah. Gary Oldman was he great. the villain? In he that? was the Russian villain. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh, that was bad. All right. Uh, I'm just making sure. How's our time for? Are we okay? It is ten past. So we've got twenty oh, minutes. We're fine. So let's talk about the role of women, shall we? Uh, we didn't get to do it on the rock. So let's. Well, we did, but we did it in your absence. Let's defer right away. Georgia and Ellie. Uh, role, role of women in Mink. I mean, uh, good. Yeah, it's good because there isn't, I mean, there's not much presence because, but there's not much presence of anyone other than Mank. But the two, three of the secondary characters are women and they're strong characters. Who did I mean? Uh, we didn't mention, I'm not sure if we did it in full detail, oh, sorry. where she talks about how she loves him and chooses to stay with him and she's bailing him by him or her i mean mary yeah. and to pops she she's bailing him, out. him at the beginning but now but she, now she very does. much does yeah. and it is true affection and uh even within their limited roles within you know power in america at that mm-hmm. time so i really liked her i really liked rita i really liked mrs mankowitz and for her small small performance I, re- I really like rita and uh, not rita freulein 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 freida the nurse yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fraulein yeah, Freda, really I think. Yeah. She was good. So and I really like women and, standing up to other women as well. And women really having nice. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's about, it's about a man, but it's not romantically about a man. Yeah. yeah. And it's a woman telling another woman off. Yeah. And saying, no, you're wrong. He does this, 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 he so you are wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I. I quite like the story. I mean, the story's called Mank. It's about a man. We can't, we, we can't shrug that off. No, 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 man. no, no, no. So <laughs> there is that. What's um, the time period it says? Well, it's very women are seen as, you know. Okay. Secondary citizens there um especially the part where she's being moved with the scenery yeah, i still yeah. love that yeah. <laughs> so good and she has no idea but she's being trucked along just like every yeah. she's just a piece of the movie making machine yeah it's, um it's so good let's talk about favorite character i mean if if everyone's gonna go mank then you can choose a secondary alongside i think it. so okay liam start us off marion davis amanda sifford yep yep okay just i just I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like her as an actress normally, but in this, I, I was drawn to her. I don't know, I'm what, to, with you. I don't know yeah. what to make of Karen I'll, Smith as an actress. <laughs> <laughs> she's, not, she's not checking the weather right now. <laughs> I'm really confused because... She's in Mean Girls as Karen Smith. 
She, she, she's the girl who has to do the weather and checks her boobs to see if it's raining. Yeah, right. I, uh, yeah I know that's her. Because- <laughs> My boobs tell me if it's raining, but it's pouring the whole time on her head. There's a 99% chance that it's already raining right now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't know what to make of her as an actress either. Uh, no, and I don't. But in this, I was drawn to her. I was captivated by her. I liked her, her temperament. I believe her as a movie star. Mm. Oh, gee, I'm going yeah, yeah, yeah. to go with an Ellie quote. She had good eyelashes in this. <laughs> she really did. She's supposed, fa- she supposed to be a failed actress. I didn't feel that. She felt successful to she me. She did, yeah. That's how I That's thought. my hard part. Is the yeah. I'm going, Especially when she comes in. Like, she, jump, the, uh, she jumps off the screen every time she comes on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and she don't normally for me. She's yeah. better in this than she was in like the last Oscar winning film she was in, which was like Les Mis. Oh, really? And yeah. Better, oh, she's the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you what. Definitely better else. than Mamma Mia 2. Oh. Lays down, hand on stomach. I wonder what that means. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you something else. She looks... I've still not seen Mamma Mia 2. I think she looks, she looks great in black and white. Yeah, she looks so different, and they were able to. That's obviously, her hair's platinum and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, done really well. well. She yeah. looks very appropriate. Okay, yeah. Ethan, yours, please. Uh, I'm gonna go with Lily Collins. I think she's just. I I like the the time that she's on. I like the the back and forth that she has with Mank, especially when she tries to you know tell him like everything in the prepared speech. And there is something in the end when you know. He, her husband does come back and there's the mutual respect almost there of see, I told you and he's kind of almost admits that he's not always right and she like just doesn't have to like hear it she just acknowledges okay. I like that Ellie uh, I really like Rita as well um, okay. so yeah I just think there was a nice warmth to that relationship and it, and again it's it's one where there's absolutely no kind of romantic energy no yeah you're right between mm. them um, but just comes across and they play nicely. and they play cribbage yeah, yeah. <laughs> Georgia uh, yeah I'm going Rita as well I really really liked her but wow. honourable mention to Mrs. Mank because she's great too yeah I mean, the women are the first ones I or thought Sarah. of I'm going to go oh it's really difficult I'm going to go I'm going to be a since all you guys kind of went Rita, I'm gonna yeah. who, who I do like and would honorable mention her myself. I'm gonna honorable mention the guy who played Louie, who I think is great at being a slime ball. Oh, yeah. that's a good yeah, one. Very good. But I'm gonna give mine the Charles Dance. Yeah, I knew you would. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> I was gonna go Rita. I thought. And then I went, oh no. And then I went, no. Hang on, I'm not remembering Charles Dance, who is yeah, really yeah, good yeah. in this. Yeah. And the idea of it, other people may rant and rave or have moments of crying, and Charles Dance does not allow himself very to composed. bring himself down to that level. He nope. just shares a badass metaphor and then says good night yes yeah. and i'm like oh um, that's a drop ever, moment if i ever turn out to be a villain i want to be that kind yeah, of villain. i mean <laughs> you know the downside is you get shot on the toilet with a with a, with a crossbow yeah <laughs> so i'll tell you something else as well if you're tom burke and you're tell you're told you're gonna be playing right now is a picture yeah game of thrones game of thrones um, yeah you're being told you're gonna play awesome wells yeah. Could you imagine, like, oh, I'm going to play Orson Welles? Like, like the eighth most important character in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the funny thing is, little um, little thing here, Tom Burke has com- gone past my shop in Kings Lynn. Has he? Oh. And I was also an extra in a film that he was in. What's the name of that shop, Liam? It's Retro Records and Tours. Would that be for all my retro needs? For all your retro needs. Hey, excellent. Especially very good <laughs> Mega Drives. Um, yeah, that's true. Best moment, best element. Liam, back to you. Um, I like the moment where... Mank and um, Davis is uh, Marion is together. I like their moments together. Okay. Um, my favorite moment was when they were trying to convince each other. Oh, that last face off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really nice. Love, 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 love it. And there's that still that even though they're on opposite sides, there's that much love there between yep. them. Ethan, 
Uh, Charles and Anza's speech about the monkey, like, I'd just <sighs> been off the high of, of Mank's massive tirade, and I was really like, oh yeah, he's done it, he stuck it to them, and Charles and Anza just has to say, say goodnight, and I'm like, nah, I've, he's lost, it's done, goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ellie? It's that speech for me as well, I think it's amazing. Okay. Georgia? I mean, it's, it's a bit stupid, because it won the Oscar for it, but the cinematography and the, the the set design and all of that kind of stuff the fact that it looks so amazing in black and white is it, it's, it's it's incredible and some of the different camera shots that were in there i was watching for them because i knew they were supposed to be really good and they were did anybody else notice the glare mm-hmm. yeah, oh, yeah it was so nice yeah. um bit difficult i want to i do love a scene where she's being carted off with the scenery and it's yeah. completely, yeah. It's completely it's oblivious yeah. to kind of her i've made my exit this is not a glamorous exit my dear no. uh, i will give mine though to the self-referential is it clever is it pretentious i think ultimately it's both and the film is better for it's a film about uh, uh, that's about the love of writing of films and um Herman Mankiewicz as its tortured poet laureate, if you will. Um, completely a master of the English language, but can't master his own vices. A little bit Edgar Allan Poe-esque. Sure. It's yeah. also his swan song, isn't it? Uh, it's the last thing he would actually publish, original. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it, he, he did some he, script. Already, he was already dipping, wasn't he? Did he did some script. Oh, he says I'm washed up. You know, he yeah. was already dipping, yeah. and they were going on past things he had done. And the, the importance of being, of hearing, is the best thing you've done. Don't give away the best thing you've done without getting your name on it. And yeah. I, yeah. I, I do like that story. Mm. Whether, you know, to what degree is this, I mean, this is a pretty... 99% pro mank kind of version yeah. of the story. <laughs> of course, of course. But, but, but I, I did enjoy it. And I, especially as its position as a companion piece. So both a love to Hollywood, but also a love letter to, to Citizen Kane as a film. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. So a grumble, a grumble. I know I've got one. What do you got? Oh, grumble. Um, the CGI. Okay. There's certain bits in CGI that I didn't really like too much. Um, when they're in the cars and they're doing the uh, scenery going by and stuff. I think that's on purpose, though, to sort of mimic I didn't, how yeah, old 30s films I, was. But No, I get what you mean. I, right, you can still not like it. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. didn't, just didn't like it. It didn't feel like old-timey, though. It felt, yeah. like, yeah. it felt like 2020. Yeah, yeah. it felt yeah. like they were trying to... In black and white, no less, but still yeah. felt too clean. Yeah. Which, if you're going to go all the trouble mm. of giving like this, this, the audio through one channel... Yeah, you can at least try and use super those old, shy. Like, yeah. if it was grainy... And like spoke a little yeah. bit more 1930s. Yeah. I, I wasn't looking to jump on this train or car. <laughs> but, but here we go. Or, or, or Dolly car of thought. There we go. Dolly car. That's cool. Gary Oldman is not 45. <laughs> we, that, we don't know yet. We'll yeah, see. I'm, we'll I'm, find I'm, out. We okay. uh, Ellie. Um, I have a specific and a general. So the specific one is when they're outside, um, outside the house, the, um, like the green screen usage I thought was really crap. Yeah, I noticed it too. Um, it really annoyed me. Is this when they're playing um, crib and you look in the distance and everything beyond them looks like it's clearly a green screen? Yeah, yeah really yeah, rubbish. Yeah. And yeah. so it's kind of similar to what Liam said, really. And then the general thing is that I, I found the film quite difficult to follow and I I struggle with politics anyway. Um, but I think obviously it's a really heavily political kind of swing to the storyline and I don't know if that you know, made it made it worse for me trying to follow it, but I just found it quite confusing and 
difficult, really. I think there's a certain political context, which add to the fact that it's America. So mm. I think there's, that if you don't have the ability to access it, then the film has to educate you on it. And I could see that maybe the film doesn't do a good enough job of doing that to make that able to be easily to comprehend for, for a non-native viewer. So, yeah. Um, Georgia. So I struggle with face blindness in color films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this was really difficult. I was going to tell me like you had no problem in this no, one. I, <laughs> this was really quite difficult for me. I mean, I, I could pick out the main people, but the secondary uh, cast I struggled with. I had a hard time with the number of young men around the age of 25 to 30 in gray suits who yeah. all seemed yeah. inter- who did all seem interchangeable. Oh, it's yeah. faceless. Yeah. 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 No, no. So if I was anything, going, is this Joe? Is this Shelly? Is this Charlie? Is this... If anything, that can just Charles. be a commentary of what, like, Hollywood was for such a long time. They're so interchangeable. Yeah. Just get rid of one and put another one in its place. Yeah, you're not wrong. How great would it have been if they just had the actors, like, literally play the different characters at points and you wouldn't you just don't notice i'd love that yeah uh for me i'm gonna say it's almost the same issue i had with citizen kane which is this film takes a long time to set the pieces in motion where i feel yeah. like i know what's going on yeah it's literally the halfway point oh, yeah because yeah. halfway through i was thinking i'm really gonna struggle with the interview <laughs> because yeah. i'm going oh Ooh, and I think uh, it could be really easy to have given up on this film at the halfway point. Oh, uh, oh yeah. I think I could have gone, I don't know. And then it wasn't until the subplot about the election picks up and I start seeing, he probably spouts off about what you can do with movies and don't you mm. realize this. And they're setting us up for a really powerful end scene, much like Susan King. You're setting the table early and we're going to come together. And But even more so than, I mean, you know, Mankiewicz gets lectured about the fact that his, his narrative's all over the place and no one can follow it. And I'm thinking, and you preach to the choir on this one because I'm yeah, yeah. really struggling early on. And then looking back, I'm okay with it. And if I watch a second time, I, I'd probably appreciate the nuance more, more, more than I already have. A bit like a jigsaw puzzle. A bit like a jigsaw puzzle with some pieces missing. Yeah. There we go. So that was mine. So is this anybody's best role ever? Potentially Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, I, I agree on that. Yeah. Hmm. I can't much. say I've seen her in anything better, but it's not saying She's loads, not stuck out to me in anything else other than this. No. It's this and Les Mis, isn't it? Yeah. Not seeing Les Mis, so. She's not very good. No, I'm, I, I agree with you. I, 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 I give her the win in this. Uh, Oldman, gr- the darkest hour. Oh, yeah. Oldman, this isn't, this isn't his best. No, no, no. I don't think so. And then, it's really, that's all I know of the cast. Uh, yeah. Charles Dance has been much Oh, Charles better. Dance. Oh, Charles yeah. Dance has got do a body for, of work. Do I know him for any films? I don't know for a lot of TV. Yeah, you do. Last oh. Action Hero. <laughs> Have you not? Nope. Oh, he plays a villain in that. That's so, great. Um, Tom Burke is better in um, Strike, but he doesn't really have a chance to shine in this because it's... Mm. A small role, isn't it? And of course, Sean Prasad. I saw him in a. Uh, I liked him better in the uh, American case, the case of the Gilded Lily. Yep, I yep. like him better in uh, Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery invite only dinner party guest casual potluck. Thing. It has a really long title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have I seen Lily Collins? Poe yes. party. Uh, Lily Collins, baby driver. I, oh, I, she in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't she seen play, that. She plays the love interest. That is eligible. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really quite interested to see that at some point. I think you'll really yeah, like it. good it. things about it. It is good. Yeah. All right, so uh, it's time for... Let's see if I hit the right button this time. I didn't do it right last when we were doing the other episode, but... I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? And thanks to Moonlight Social, as always, for our little age game ditty. It's going to be a little bit quick, because we're going to have Sean on the, on the, the line about five minutes. So, Ellie, if you can go ahead and uh, start us off with the age game. Yep, so we'll start with the elephant in the room then, and we'll, we'll start with uh, Gary Oldman. 
I'm going to say... Oh, do you want to go first? Oh, sorry, uh, I'm going to say that... I'm going to say he is 60 years old. Are you? I'm going to say he's a bit older. I'm going to say he's 62. I'm going to go high. I'm going to go 65. I'm going highest. I think he's 70. He's 62. Liam got it. Wow. So, um, considering he says, I'm 41. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. at the end, it says he dies at 55. I'm like, <laughs> you are 60 yeah. at least, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeez. Yeah. Um, Amanda Seyfried? 29? 30. 32. I was going to say 32. 31 then. 34. Wow. A little bit older. Lily Collins. Well, let's remember 34 when we do the other part of that. Lily yeah. Collins. Oh, geez. Younger. 32. 29. 31. 30. 31. Th- oh. Yay, I got one. Hey. Um, Tom Burke. Oh. Which, okay. which one was he? Hughes Orson Wells. Wells. Oh, okay. 40. Forty-five, thirty-three. He's playing a man in his. Tw- he's playing yeah, twenty-four. He's playing 24. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go twenty-eight. He's thirty-nine. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we're all talking about Gary Oldman playing young. Like Tom Burke is <laughs> de- really, like, especially real for the life. age. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, um, he's not sixty-two. Tell me he's forty-three. Is yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll just do one more. So we'll do Charles Dance. There we go. Oh. So oh. a reminder: Amanda Seyfried was thirty-four. Sixty-seven. Oh, no, older. I'm going to say 80, 70, 78, 79, 72, 73. Ooh, Very well done. 73 and 34, was it? Yeah. Wow, 39 years. Jeez. Ooh, wow. Kick a little higher. <laughs> at his age jeez <laughs> alright thank you very much Watch Ellie so uh, we need some George do you have any critics really quickly I do yeah I will quickly 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 while you're looking that up I'll hit some of ours so Carlo says I'm a huge Fincher fan but to me Meg suffers from the same issues as the social network and that it's neatly crafted all the pieces seem right but it still ends up feeling cold and distant there is more felt in Meg's relationship with those around him the secretary his wife Marion much like Mankiewicz himself there's skill and there's wit in Mank, but the issues around it don't let it shine your next favorite movie says haven't seen it yet but I should probably watch this in case appreciate Mank. we would agree mm-hmm. and Bradley Weir says Arliss Howard is the true MVP of the film he plays Meyer so that was my honorable mention yeah, yeah. pretty much every single one of his lines is dynamite i don't find marion or relationship with Mank particularly interesting all the charles dance scenes were a bit dull oh, oh i disagree Brad. with that wow yeah. Brad, so, i know you're listening we're having words later <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind uh, uh what do you got George? Uh, I've got uh, Wendy Eyde from the Observer UK says it won't be for everyone but in the canon of films about filmmaking there are few as textures committed and as suffused with real appreciation for the craft as Mank uh, Danny Lee from the Financial Times says in his gleeful commandment of Phil Fincher salutes the unseen hands of masterpieces writers with only their wordplay to take on the world as if a play had the first thing to do with it um, and then one more uh, Charlotte O'Sullivan from the London Evening Standard says by siding with the writer David Fincher draws attention to the small print and in the process concocts a fabulous and moving yarn of his own excellent thank you very much all that's left now is for us to give our reviews our reviews out of 10 so Liam can we start with you I weren't expecting much of this movie to be honest with you um, I thought I was going to find it hard to follow and everything else but I absolutely Enjoyed this movie. Um, I think I absolutely suggest a bigger word. Enjoy. <laughs> well, no, because I'm just conscious of yeah, the time. Um, yeah, I actually did love this movie. Uh, I think it's because I watched this and came beforehand. Um, I'm going to give it uh, eight. Eight. Okay. Yep. 
uh, it's the same as Liam. I I really appreciate Citizen Kane more with this film. I think it's really well crafted. It's it's a good love letter. Uh, so yeah, I'm giving it eight really bad age gaps. There we go, uh, Ellie. I'm afraid this did not match my usual uh, Fincher fangirling. Um, and I'd forgotten that The Social Network is also Fincher. I don't like that either. Um, but I really appreciated things like the cinematography. So like more of the like kind of special stuff about it rather Same. than the film and the storyline itself. So I've given it seven and a half. Okay. Georgia? Uh, I'm going to go eight and a half because I did really enjoy it. And it's got Sean Passard in it. So it's, <laughs> Sean Passard is fabulous in it. It gets yes, an yes. extra half mark. I was going to go eight, but Sean's in it. So extra Ten out of ten for half. Sean. Yeah. Uh, it's a companion piece and yeah, it exists within that realm uh, I, I I don't know what I feel about this film if I hadn't seen Citizen King exactly oh, yeah. I think it's yeah. a strange film and that it requires you to really appreciate it to have that knowledge mm-hmm. which might be part of what might scare people away from seeing it yeah, yeah, Probably, yeah. It's, yeah. it's both it's greatest strength and it's greatest weakness if you want to talk about movies that come off as too elite and yeah. you know Oscar baby yeah. and oh, all God, that yeah. stuff it's that uh, I despite well not despite that because of it I mean, it's, it's a weird double-edged sword both, yeah I really liked it so I'm gonna give it eight soul crushing parables out of 10 <laughs> so i think at the end of the day we I, all, didn't give it, I didn't give it a thing did you i didn't no eight high kicking legs okay oh. and we do need a memorable word buddy oh a memorable word um steak steak okay <laughs> there we are <laughs> thanks ellie <laughs> so um not the edible kind all right, so we're now thrilled to have star of screen in many different varieties of that word, uh, Sean Passad with us today. Hello, Sean. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for calling me a star. You are it's really nice. <laughs> a star in a car. Uh, you you've got your 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 fingers in a lot of pies yeah. <laughs> as it currently sits with with all sorts yeah. of things, both both uh, on the you know on the sort of big high profile big movie sort of side of things, as well as on the more grassroots side of things. And uh, it's it's an absolute delight that you've uh, agreed to, to kindly spend some time with us talking about that today. Yeah, thank oh, you. Well, I'm happy to be here. What's uh, imagine you're on the west coast in the states? Am I right? Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. So what time is like nine thirty here? So it's like what? Like that's uh eleven thirty? No, it's one thirty. One thirty. How much am I not? Oh, it's five and three. I don't know why I thought it was more than that. My bad. My bad. It's just eight hours. There goes my math issue. <laughs> uh so yes, we're starting with some questions about Mank, which we just reviewed. Um maybe like how did you get started with mank like how how did that come across your your your, your bow so so to speak because most of the stuff i've seen so far has been kind of independently produced or produced with 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 what seems like a a pretty frequent group of collaborators and then this seems like it's a bit of a of a a different path on this one yeah well this was sort of like the um normal path i just did air quotes i guess this is a podcast you can't see that <laughs> um but yeah, I guess I guess this is the path that like most people take when they move to LA to become an actor. They get an agent and the agent gets them auditions and they go on auditions and that's it's a path that's like infuriating and uh because you just kind of you do a lot of sitting around and waiting. And then um in terms of auditions, like even if you're very good, you you don't book a lot of them. It's just a numbers game. So um, that's sort of what motivated me and my sister and our friends to start doing our own thing. Um, so we weren't just waiting around, you know, going crazy. Um, but this mank just came. I got an email from my agent and she was like, actually, she she sent me an email and she called me, which she doesn't normally do. Um, 
so I was like, oh, this must be urgent. So she, I answered and she was like, I just sent you a, an audition and I think you're perfect for it. Uh, because it was a, it was a period piece. It was set, you know, the scene that I did was set in 1939, I believe. And we had just done a film noir set in 1939 and um, Mary Kate and I have the same agent. So she knows how, how much we love um, our period pieces. Um, and she was like, yeah, I just wanted to, I was just really excited about this. So I was like, Oh, that's great. And then I read it and I was like, yeah, this is exactly my, uh, this is just up my alley. And, um, also I love citizen Kane. So I was like, Oh yeah, this is great. I would, regardless of whether I book this or not, I will be watching this as soon as it's available. <laughs> and then I saw like, Oh, it's, it's David Fincher and it's Netflix. Yeah. So um, you know, the chances are pretty slim that I'm going to get very far in this process, but Hey, I, I'll, of course I'm going to, you know, give it my all. And, um, at the time, um, well, right now sort of how auditions work is everything is sort of self tape. And we have, um, we have a setup here with a ring light and a blank wall, um, back, we lived in a different apartment at the time. So we had to rig this whole sheet and bring out we had soft boxes and we had a very tiny and um, cramped space so we had to move furniture so anytime we got an audition that we had to put on tape it was like a, a production um so we did it and the scene was just the audition scene was exactly the scene that that is in the movie um it was a little longer they ended up cutting um one exchange and um i have to say it was it was really tough because it's essentially like a monologue. Yeah. Um, Cause the character's not really paying attention. <laughs> um, he's just sort of in his own, his own world. And um, so, yeah, it's sort of a, it's a, it's a monologue, but there is, there are these like technical places where, where he's being interrupted and it's, um, it's weirdly physical, even though I'm just sitting down, there are things where I pull out, pull out a letter and I swerve and um, uh, poor Mary Kate had to, had to deal with me just having like a melt. I had to go for a walk at one point. Cause I just could not keep this all in my head. Um, it's like poor Sarah. <laughs> poor yeah, exactly. Poor exactly. Yeah. Um, so eventually we did it and I, uh, I just, I, I don't love, I usually don't love the stuff I, I do. I'm always my worst critic. Um, and I was You're like, alive. well, yeah. Uh, unfortunately yeah i'm trying to work on that um but uh yeah we did it and then i remember um i was picking up my mom from the airport that day she was visiting for a week and uh i had i was in traffic oh we were doing um mary kate and um and my sister Sinead and a couple friends do this thing called shitty broadway which is sort of a which is like a live show where um they invite friends to do Broadway numbers that they've always wanted to do in like a sort of lo-fi. Kind of um, take the piss out of. That's you know, cool. It's yeah. Really, it's really it, good. Yeah. Really that sounds good, fun. Um, it's pretty more, fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then I, I don't sing, but I offered, uh, I offered my, my, myself up to host. Um, so we were doing, I think that was the second show that we were doing. And I, was really stressed about that because oh, I hadn't really started writing my stuff until the night before. And then I was, I was in traffic at, at LAX 
um, trying to pick up my mom and that's really stressful. I don't know if, I mean, I guess sort of every airport is, is stressful to be at, but LAX in particular is just, <laughs> is the worst. And then my agent called me and I picked up as I was trying to navigate, you know, as I was trying to cross like four lanes of traffic. Um, and she was like, you know, at the end of this scene, there's like a big swerve and the car crashes. And um, <laughs> I hadn't really done anything to, to, to mime that because it felt weird and awkward. And she was like, I really like the audition, but do you think you could do it again and just throw that in? And I was just like, I don't, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I have time. Um, so that kind of put through me, you know, threw me for a loop, put me in my head. I was like, Oh God, my agent didn't like it. Especially when There's you're driving. I can do. That's a, yeah. that's kind of a weird. Not right now. Not right now. Yeah. 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 She was like, you, you got to do better at being in a car crash. And I was like, I don't think I should. <laughs> um, so there was a, and then, and then I had to like uh, perform that night and I was just like, um, I was just a wreck. Um, but uh, I guess the, the um, casting director, Lorraine Mayfield liked me. So she called me in for an in-person session. And um I think that's the first time that's ever happened that, that I sent in a self tape and uh, it went further. (laughs) It it went to step two. And so I went in and did the scene with her and we just did it a bunch of times. She threw a bunch of notes at me and tried different things. And um, at the end, I remember walking out and she was like, by the way, thank you for knowing your lines. And I was like, you're welcome. That's a weird thing (laughs) for a casting director to say, I feel like. And she was like, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, It's, it's, it's weird how many actors are unprepared. And I was just, I walked out and I was just sort of stunned because um, everybody I know out here works so hard um, for, for these opportunities. And just knowing that there's people out there who are just like, eh, whatever um was sort of maddening um but anyways i felt pretty good about it and she was great and the whole process was really nice and um and then uh, a few days later i got a call that they wanted me and the cool thing is that my mom was still in town and at that point she was staying with me so i got to like tell my mom i booked a movie (laughs) which was kind of fun that's brilliant but yeah so if I, if I just jump on really quickly, and I know other people want to say something, I'm just curious. How long have you like? What's the background? How long have you been in 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 LA for now at this point? Um. Oh boy, too longer than I can just quickly answer that question. Um. It's, <laughs> I've been out here for like for over a decade. Okay. And um, this has definitely been the biggest uh the biggest thing that I've booked. Did you wow. move out out there with Sinead at the same time? Did you go, or was it separate? No, it was separate. I moved out here after college and I I was out here for a while before her. Um, and then she also, she's, she's younger than me. She also moved here after college, after her college, not my college. That would be weird. <laughs> when you was doing your scene with Gary Oldman and you had, cause you had your monologue, <laughs> what was, <laughs> what was that like having this actor of I mean, Gary, it's, it's Gary Oldman yeah. <laughs> beside you as you're delivering these lines. What was that like? Was that invigorating? Was it terrifying? terrifying? Yeah, yeah, it was both both of those things. I I I will say that um 
uh, Mary Kate likes to remind me of this. Uh, she she keeps telling me that I'm not allowed to be scared of anything ever again. Yeah, because um, you've sat next to Gary Oldman and delivered a monologue. <laughs> yeah, I I sat next to Gary Oldman, did a monologue, and for David Fincher, um, and I can't imagine a more intimidating day on set. I really can't. <laughs> I was trying to think of like who's another director that would um, scare me. And I can't really think of think of it. And to and David Fincher, by the way, is not scary at all. Oh. But he is, um, you know, he has a reputation as like a, a hard worker, and um, and also he's probably my favorite director. So there was a, an element of just wanting to like be really good for him. Not just the fact that I booked this job and I have to do this job, but I also really respect and admire him. And with Gary Oldman too, it's just you know, there's so many so many amazing roles where mm-hmm. he's sort of unhinged and loses his mind. And it's just like, Oh, he's just sitting next to me right now. But both of them were so unbelievably pleasant. And after a while, I just sort of, um, it was just like, Oh, I'm just doing this scene. You came off very and, confident. Um, <laughs> thank you. You did. You, did. <laughs> you came off very confident. It was good. Thank you very much. Yeah. I think at a certain point you just kind of, you're, you're just like, Oh, well I'm here. I, there was a long process to get here and You're there for a reason. everybody, yeah, everybody here mm-hmm. thought that I should be here. So I might as well just think that myself. Absolutely. Um, you know, and we've just heard in our review about how um, David Fincher went over a certain scene with um, Amanda Seyfried um, and Gary Oldman. I think it was the dinner, the dinner scene, like a hundred times. How many times mm-hmm. did you have to record your scene? Um, oh, I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. He lives um, up his reputation. Yeah, he definitely does. The <laughs> the funny thing is the reason that we um uh the reason that we stopped is I don't remember what happened, but like one of the cameras broke or something. Oh. And um I don't I don't know. If you told me it was a hundred, I'd believe you. <laughs> um But uh the the first day that we shot, um we shot a day in December of two thousand nineteen. Um right? What is Yep, that sounds about right. That was yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lines up with the notes um, I got. <laughs> yeah, the, the last year feels like five years, so I'm not really sure, sure anymore. <laughs> um, but we shot it. Um, they did a they did a, a lot of location shooting in Victorville, and so we shot a day there. And it's that that end button where the car is being lifted out of the ditch that was on location, and uh, that was my first day of shooting. And I was just brought to set, and all, I didn't even meet David Fincher. I was just taken to a mark and they were like go and they and they oh. were like a pa was like okay when um gary is lifted uh six inches um above the ditch that's when you say your line and i was looking down and i was like i have no concept of my perspective i don't know where six inches is so i was just like i'm just gonna say my line at some point and then um and then david fincher was just yelling notes at me so i started yelling my line and then he was yelling at me like no i'm i'm yelling because it's windy and you have to just say your line and i was like wow this is getting off to a great start <laughs> um and that day we i would say we did it 15 to 20 times i remember walking off and being like well that didn't seem like a lot 
But then I realized watching it, there's that beautiful, the sun, you know, shining through the clouds. And I was like, oh, they had a very narrow window to, to get this shot in. So um, that's why we only did it, you know, 15 times, (laughs) but the car scene, we just kept, we just kept doing it. Yeah. If you said a hundred times, that would have been, that would have been pretty accurate to me. And also we shot that on a soundstage with um, uh, LED screens and uh, they they filmed these plates on location in Victorville too, and everything kind of had to line up. So we weren't taking bits of the scene over and over again. If somebody messed up, we we had to start over. Wow. Um, and we were ready to keep going too. Like like that's the other thing with him it, with David Fincher. It's like he's um, there is. I remember when the Social Network came out, and I read a thing, uh, an interview with Rooney Mara, and she talked about doing that first scene over and over and over. And my actor brain was like, wow, he's like really trying to get you out of your head. And he's really trying to like break you down and like try to get you to a place where you're not thinking anymore. And now having worked with him, I'm like, yeah, maybe there's an element of that, but really he's just constantly thinking of new ideas and and he has time. So like, why not try to do it over and over and see what happens. And every time he had like a, a new thought or a new note and he was really collaborative. And at, at towards the end, um, there was a line that I was saying that I just never really got comfortable with in my body. Like I wasn't sure really what, what it meant or why I was saying it. And he was, you know, he picked up on that and we like figured out a way we changed the line and I got like, credit now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be fighting. I'm going to be fighting for that. Good for um, but, but I, that was like, Oh, that was like reinvigorating. There was never any moment where I was like, Ugh, again, um, there was always something new to try. And um, unfortunately that's when the camera, uh, the camera issue happened. So I, ne- I don't think we ever got to like try that new line out, but Oh. Um, yeah, there were a lot of takes. <laughs> I, I was going to ask if it's challenging as, as an actor to keep coming, because I, I thought it would be pieced together, but as it's one consistent piece, um, is it, I mean, I guess it's fun to try di- different or, or, or new approaches, but how much freedom did you have to try different things yourself versus did everything come from, from David Fincher? Or, or, or did you just try some things on like the, the fourth, the fifth, the, the 20th take and go, let's see how we react to this? Yeah, I I think there's both. Um, and another thing, when when you're coming in for two days of filming, when you're like a day player, when you have a co-star on TV, you're like the new kid, and um, you don't want to like overstep your boundaries. Um, so a lot of it is just feeling that out. And um, I definitely remember having a moment where I just. I did. I got to that point of like, oh, I, I, I've lost what I was trying to do, and I don't care anymore. And <laughs> we're we're gonna be here all day. So I remember just having, starting to have fun with it, and doing something a little different. And um, you know, obviously, it wasn't super different. Uh, you're still in the scene doing. You're you're there for for a specific job. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of both. There was a little bit of of both of those, of those things. And I, I do think that there is, um, that's a, that's a fine line that to cross or, or to know how to, to cross. I, I remember I had a TV job once where it was, 
yeah, I was just there for a day and, um, I'm sorry if you can hear my cat. She wants to be <laughs> my in the dog interview. can hear your cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, That's funny. I I had this I had this job and I don't know what it was about this particular job. I I just nobody gave me any direction. I was like on set. I had marks and I was like, what am I doing? How am I start? It was like I was an I was playing an architect on a construction site. And I was like, how am I entering? Like, nobody's telling, nobody's giving me any information. So I just started making stuff up and doing whatever I wanted. And then the director came up to me afterwards and he was like, you did great. And I was like, really? Okay. And I had this moment of like, oh, I guess that's just what yeah. I got to do. And then if I'm doing something wrong, somebody's going to tell me. Yeah. But that's what they hired me for. So I'm just going to do that. Yeah. So that was a that was a good learning experience and i do, i wish i'd had that experience a little earlier <laughs> um but with david when you're sitting there with gary oldman and david fincher you're it's a little bit less i i, I felt a little bit like less free to do whatever i want you know yeah, 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 but um yeah. the gravity of it all yeah 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 um one thing i was wondering just because you said earlier that when your agent came to you about it you said uh that they said fincher and netflix we weren't sure if it was always meant to go straight to netflix or it just happened because of sort of covid was it always supposed to be a netflix deal or was it just going to be worldwide until events yeah it was always a netflix thing um okay i remember it said that on the um on the uh info that i got and i and i know that he's done some interviews talking about how he was this was specifically for netflix they like wanted to know what he wanted to do um so yeah i'm i'm bummed um that you know for a lot of reasons um but (laughs) with covid like um they usually do like a little theatrical release as well and i'm hoping at some point someone plays this in a theater so i can go see it yeah that would be good definitely yeah Yeah. that'd be really surreal (laughs) <laughs> sorry i'm getting distracted by the dog under the table <laughs> I, I am too <laughs> this is pippin he likes to think he's on the podcast too he does oh, <laughs> he is um, he is yeah i think ethan had you had a question about the actual car crash how they how you yeah, did it yeah yeah um because the way that it's done it looks as if it's sort of more um i think i i said in the original thing like it looks as if it's done through a lot of like pulley systems just because of the way that the car sort of crashes into the ditch. Was that mainly like sort of practical just uh, sort of effect stuff or did you just cut at a point and then do that later? Yeah. What, what, hold on. Let me think. It, um, what did we do? I don't think we did anything. I think it was just, um, we got a, Oh, you know what we did? We did the, um, the letter first mm. And there was an air cannon in the, um, in the car, uh, between me and Gary. And, um, I, and it was very technical. I had to pull out this letter and hold it in a very certain way. And, um, this air cannon would blow it back. And then I remember at one point, um, David said, you know, if we don't get it, we'll just CGI it. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> take some of the pressure up. Yeah. And then we did, um, then it was just a matter of just on a cue, just like um, jerking our bodies yeah. in the, like, like Star Trek style. Like, <laughs> and, um, and then it was a cut and, uh, and, and then it was sound effects and then it was a cut to the aftermath. So there was, yeah, there was no actual um, car crash. 
Good, good. I remember. Uh, oh, yeah, that's another thing. In the in the audition, when I left, um, before I left, uh, the casting director was like, uh, "Do you have experience driving?" And I was like, well, "Yes, I I live in Los Angeles. I do have experience driving." <laughs> um, and then um, I didn't hear after I got the job. I didn't hear anything about the technical aspects of what it was going to be. And so this, this the entire time I was like, I'm going to be really driving and like, yeah. that's going to be a lot of pressure to, to do that and act. And then it turned out to just be all on a soundstage. Super easy. Just need to look natural holding a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. I did, somebody gave me the direction. I, it wasn't David Fincher, but somebody was like, can you move your um, hands on the steering wheel a little? And I was like, Oh, Really? Okay. <laughs> it's not how I don't feel like I don't do that when I drive, is but maybe this, is I did. Is it a straight road or is it? A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this oh, this bumps. road was, was, um, the construction worker was very drunk when he went <laughs> down. So what's the timeline between when you get cast and when you're showing up to set? For this, um, I was cast, uh, at some point in October of 2019 and my first day on set, Shooting was um, December fourteenth, okay. two thousand nineteen, mm-hmm. and then um, and then the the soundstage day was at some point in February. It was one of the last days oh, wow, of filming. Okay. Yeah, and then um, and then we did ADR in July of last year. i'm starting to think this cat's painfully aware (laughs) my cat when i'm on zoom calls she just she i think she thinks i'm talking to her every time your cat meows my dog who settles down on the oh really gets back up and goes (laughs) (laughs) something that's funny there he goes again yeah he's going mad (laughs) <laughs> we're just confusing them yep they have tiny brains did you did you interact with gary oldman um when the cameras weren't shooting you know was Ooh, he that's a good question yeah yeah well um yeah i did uh and we, we were just sitting there together uh for, during setups we would we would leave the car um yeah and i would um i was i was just too I was just like, I have so many lines and I can't mess them up. I just have to be in a corner and just keep going over my lines in my head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in the car, um, you know, we, we talked a little, uh, he was so pleasant, just, just, um, absolutely just a, a lovely, a lovely fellow to be in a car with. Do you know, it's really um, nice to hear. <laughs> yeah no it is it's not really nice true when it's you meet true. these yeah. people hope that he's one of those people you do nice. hope he's yeah. going to be a nice genuine mm-hmm. guy yeah and to hear mm-hmm. that you know is brilliant yeah i i'm always you never really know what to expect with people at a certain level and um he was just he was so nice and at the end of the night i think um because we sort of had to stop we were in the middle of something and they they needed to get like inserts of something else and um and he thought that I was coming back the next morning. And I, re- I remember like uh, one of the um, like second AD or something was, was telling him outside the trailer that I wasn't. So he like, he like flagged me down at the end of the night as I was walking to my car to say bye. Aww. And I was like, wow, that's really sweet. He was so nice. He was really, really, really nice. Do you think if he hadn't have been, would that have tarnished your time on set? Oh, oh. Um, 
Liam yeah, asking the hard I think questions. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal for you. And to mm-hmm. be there in the presence of Gary Oldman, and you've had such a positive uh, response from it, um, mm-hmm. it could have gone the other way. You know, you hear about yeah. these different things. You, would you still looked at it in a good light? Even I though- think... I think it's it's one of those things where I would just be like, um, I I just focus more on all the other cool stuff yeah, that happened, yeah, yeah. like the fact that I, you know it's in a David Fincher movie and yeah. you know Gary Old even if Gary Oldman was mean like oh I'm just, I have a scene with Gary Oldman and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of there's a lot of positive takeaways that I could focus yes, on so yes. so I guess I guess it, it's sort of like icing on the cake oh he was absolutely actually very nice too yeah I, I love, which is I love really, the fact that he is. Yeah, me too. It's always nice to to when you're when you meet someone like this and you're like, ah, oh, they're great. Say so if he was mean to you, you're just now an enemy of Sirius Black, and that's really. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were there any like crazy good perks about being part of a big a big Hollywood film? Like, you know, what was the food like? Was it good? <laughs> yeah. um, icing on cake. <laughs> the food was great. Honestly, the food uh, is always good with um with with anything any sort of um big production they don't skimp on the food um keep the workers happy yeah exactly (laughs) um it's night i was gonna say i had to travel and be on location for a day but victorville is not uh uh, if you if you're visiting california you can skip victorville (laughs) Um, (laughs) i don't know i guess i you know it would have been fun if 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 COVID hadn't happened to see if there was like a, you know, premiere, like a Netflix Oscar party, that would have been fun. Um, But I, I, there's the, there's no bigger perk than me just crossing that off my list. Like I had, I was in a David Fincher movie and um, an Oscar winning David Fincher movie. Yeah. That's, that's it too. Yeah. That was a pretty big perk. And a named part. (laughs) (laughs) That's huge. That's really, that's really big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, I, I have a friend, um, from college who's had, uh, an Oscar party every year since we've been, since I've known him and, um, and David Fincher is one of, if not his favorite director. And I remember, um, finally being able to tell him, <laughs> uh, at his Oscar party, when was it? 2019. Yeah. Cause COVID hadn't started. I was at his house and, I got to, t- that was one of the coolest, that was one of the coolest perks was telling one of my best friends that I was going to be in a David Fincher movie. That's and nice. he's a, he's like an old Hollywood uh, fan. Citizen oh. Kane is his favorite movie. So oh, cool. that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. So the, the following year, if you guys did it like virtually, did you put down like Mank as the winner for every Oscar you guys were nominated for? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we had we he does an Oscar pool every year. I finally <laughs> won it in 2019. Yeah, yeah, so that was a big day for me, winning that Oscar pool <laughs> and telling him. And then we speech. <laughs> <laughs> we did we did he did have the a virtual um, Oscar night this year, and uh, Mary Kate threw a party here, and we we like dressed up and everything. And then I had like my laptop with all of our our college friends, and I. Um, I didn't do the the uh, the pool because I was like I can't vote against Mank. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I, I like did one on my own and I like gave Mank everything. Um, but I was like, "There's no way." Even I'm the ones vote. it wasn't nominated for. <laughs> yeah, I wrote. I wrote them yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
exactly. Sure, there's an animated animation feature. somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> CGI counts, right? F- foreign language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Best supporting actor, Sean Passard. That's yeah, right. Because exactly. <laughs> it's done in black and white. What was the mm-hmm. color like on set? Um, that's a great question. The color was... The, yeah, for, for the stuff that I saw that I was privy to, the color was very, um, this, you know, standard, like this is what the color would have been. The car was, was, you know, it was beige. Yeah. Um, our suits were, were, um, you know, brown. Oh, so they went <laughs> like garish colors to get different shades of gray or anything like that. Right. I think, I think that, um, I think I, I, I read, um, an interview with, with Trish, the costume lady who talked about uh, some of the other scenes where that was the case. And that's something that we did on Gilded Lily. Um, cool. We, we went with um, really vibrant colors. Um, my character's office was um, a very deep, like Royal blue. And um, because that just gives it like a different sort of, hue i guess not yeah, really hue yeah. i guess but you know it's a different vibrance like in black and white so right in um, that mk's dress in that was a bright red as well that obviously yeah comes, comes off as a yeah. different color yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was like a reddish it was very much like a jessica rabbit yeah uh, yeah yeah i think i've seen yeah. one color photo of that of that <laughs> still so yeah no it's really interesting yeah, and oh and our makeup was really intense on yeah. gilda lily um and we we were like okay this is gonna be weird and then you watch it and you're like no that yeah that totally right. makes sense yeah obviously you must have an abundance of free time because you've just launched this <laughs> this this new podcast uh, what sort of uh inspired you to kind of go down down that road where you're not only uh participating in creating the media you're not only uh, or creating content you're not only writing the content starting the content but now you're kind of analyzing okay. content on the on the on, on on the dark side of it if you will Doing almost exactly the opposite of what we do in, in a sense yes yeah. <laughs> the the way you just laid that out i'm like oh my god what, what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> um no it's funny he's just talking with friends just let him, let him <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um the it's funny you say that we have so much free time because we absolutely don't um <laughs> we started Sinead and i um we were in the process of writing our our next big next big project um we shot a kickstarter video last march we were um the last production at the YouTube space LA um, before they shut down for COVID and then shut down forever, um, which we found out a couple months ago. Um, And we were ready to, to gear up a launch for this Kickstarter. And um, then COVID hit. And um, so we, we moved our sessions to zoom and, um, and they were, for for a while we were getting a lot of work done but they were also very um the the writing sessions were very loose uh (laughs) they were very weird and um uh i think we yeah one of our patreon exclusive videos is we edited together a bunch of um little bits from our writing sessions and and it was a lot of fun and people responded to it and we we were just having fun together and and we were like, this is great. We should do more of the, we, we should just do more of this stuff. Like not the right, I mean, we should be doing more writing always, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but we should do the other stuff. We're having fun and we're talking about weird stuff and making each other laugh. And 
Um, I think that people would, you know, there are some people out there who would, who would like to um, be more of a, you know, part of that. So we were like, Oh, let's, let's start a podcast. Like, like half of the population in, yeah. in 2020. <laughs> like us. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, and we, I mean, and that's new knock. Like I love podcasts. I love, they've got me through the last year. Um, and then we just sort of uh, procrastinated. And then we, we were like, uh, what are we going to, what's our, what's our hook? Cause um there's a there's certain podcasts where they're just talking and I like it, and then there's certain podcasts where they're talking and I'm like, no, I don't. I just want to skip to like the thing they're talking about. <laughs> so for us, I was like, I think it'll be helpful if we have a hook. So like, what's our hook? And we 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 couldn't figure out one for a while, and then um, and then this we figured this out in like maybe October November. This idea of like. Um, bad movies that we love and not bad like like funny bad that like everybody sort of laughs at like troll 2 or the room but like (laughs) bad movies that like genuinely people think are bad and don't want a part of but but you love for whatever reason and um so we were like everybody has that so let's have a guest on and we can just talk with them and they can tell us about their movie we'll watch the movie they'll tell us why they love it and we wanted to make it so that we weren't, um, you know, we weren't being too negative because we we're also very much like every let people like what they like. And we as also as content creators uh, and people who are looking for jobs in the industry, we don't want to be like super negative about <laughs> other people's stuff. Um, Trust me, you're not negative. You're a very positive person. <laughs> Thank you. Um but we thought like this would be a great idea. Like we'll have we'll be able to talk about these these movies and and uh, Lauren was the perfect first guest because she will just dig in and um, it will be weird and positive and like and it'll be about loving the movie rather than us like hating the movie. It was also a a, a weird one to start with because we kind of did like this movie. <laughs> we we talked about the movie Clifford, which was a. 1994 movie with Martin Short, who was 40 at the time, and he's playing a 10-year-old, and um, Charles Grodin is his uncle, and it was so bizarre. And there were at my first, at first, I was just like, "Ugh, this movie's so just so weird and off-putting." And then we just couldn't stop quoting it, <laughs> so it worked. I think I think it was a good first episode because it she was. kind of changed our minds a little. Thank you. So we're we've got a bunch of those in the. Um, we tried to have uh, as many banked as possible because we knew like we weren't going to have a lot of free time. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we're doing that and we're, there's a, there's a part of us that's like, why did we do this right now? <laughs> just a, a, a quick fun game, just going around the table. Does it, what is everyone's film that you, everyone else hates, but actually you really love Ellie? Do you want to mm. start? Oh, are we, are we well, pitching potential? I'm just mine. I'm just curious. Mine is one that Ethan also loves, but it's Stardust. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Ian I, hates yeah, I, it. Well, uh, not hate might be strong, but it's not too far. I feel far like off. I've <laughs> I've heard Come I've heard good things it. about it. I love it. It's oh, it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> but the the ending in particular is not um not the best. Okay, <laughs> Liam, have you got one? Endings are hard. I do. My one of my favorite movies that no one else likes. Is staying alive. The sequel to Saturday Night Fever. 
Jeez. I love it. It's I thought you were going to say Grease too. I, I was going to be like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a toss-up between Grease too and Staying Alive, but yeah. Staying Alive is one of my go-to movies. Wow. Uh, I've never seen it, but I think you're the first person I've ever heard say that they like it. Yeah. Well, it's directed by Sylvester Stallone. I know, yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, well, okay. I, I love it, but it's... It's not going to win any Oscars. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but but it's one of them things. I don't think but... it's eligible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll get remade and you could, you could You could do a write-in vote on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, so that's right. I was just saying, no. I, I need to revisit and watch that again because I haven't seen it for about five years now. But I used to watch it religiously once every year. I believe oh, it. What would yours be in? Uh, mine's also a sequel, though. One people don't think of as a sequel. Uh, mine is Be Cool, which is the sequel to Get Shorty. Uh, it's like 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I saw, I loved it. It's so self, I love things that are self-aware. Probably why I really like Gilded Lily so much. The oh, idea yeah. that you play with conventions of, of a genre that we're expecting. And American Whoopi as well. And American we Whoopi as well, before, which we yeah. watched just before he came on. And I like things that realize you know, that play with intertextuality, but also play with the conventions of the genre which they are participating in and setting up a joke yeah. which they'll pay off 20, 30 minutes later. And yeah. so it didn't have that same cool, slow kind of burn that Get Shorty did, which I'm not as big on. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, really enjoyed uh, Be Cool. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just... I, I just love ensemble casts when they work. Yeah. <laughs> but they have to work because there's been far yeah, too many. Yeah, yeah. You can't just throw them at a wall and expect yeah. that to be enough. So that's mine. I, I, I really like Be Cool, but I think I'm, 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 it's one of those ones where I'm kind of on a ledge by myself most days. There's a, lot, there's a John Travolta theme here. I there, think. Is. there is a John Travolta theme, indeed. Uh, George, is yours Battlefield Earth? Is that what you're going to say? Or? <laughs> You don't know Battlefield Earth, is John Travolta film. I, I assume I, it's much. pretty much considered like the one of the worst films ever. Made. Ever, um, yeah. yeah. No, um, mine is Ian's going to hate me. Um, mine's Cat in the Hat. Oh, it's dreadful. <laughs> it's oh. so good. It's dreadful. I love and it I, so much. I, I say that as a proud Canadian who loves Mike Myers in almost all things, <laughs> but not not in that. No, it is brilliant. It's there's a lot of adult funny jokes. It's almost Shrek like, but it's the story of Cat in the Hat. <laughs> It is. It really is. There's. I. I, I we used to fight about it about okay. whether it was a good film or not, and I'm going to stand my ground. I think it is. Uh, so the, our first, our first um, take on this podcast was like, what's a movie that everybody loves that you hate? Oh, um, and then we were like, no, that's oh. going to be too much. That's going to focus too much on like. Uh, negative yeah. and just bringing people and, down. But, we've got a couple of those and, on the podcast of yeah. ours already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people are going to come for you if you do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been, I know. I've been told off a few times because I really don't like Batman. Really don't like... Well, I don't mean us. I Which mean one? people out there. Oh, Dark George doesn't Knight. like any Batman. Okay. Other than like Holy Musical Batman and Lego Batman. Like, that's like where my Batman level sits. Dark Knight is horrendous. Uh-huh. I don't what? like train spotting. Uh-huh. And I hated Fight Club. Yeah. So. And I don't oh, like boy. The Princess Bride. And yeah, Ellie you're, like the, which you're wrong. wrong. Which is wrong. Oh, I know, right? Shop aside, there is. We'd like to apologize for offending our guest. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, Take the headphones off. I gotta go. Ellie, what have you done? I'm sorry. It's going so well. As you wish. That's inconceivable. I get, you know, I get. Batman, it's a weird when you think about him, he's he's, he's just weird. Grumpy. He's just <laughs> but you love, isn't is Star isn't Stardust sort of like Princess Bride adjacent? Isn't there like a 
a world where those movies are like on a double feature. Oh, I really is hope not. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe not. I haven't seen Stardust. Well, mine, the, well, the reason I said that, that I brought that up is because you mentioned Shrek and I, Shrek is one of my least favorite movies. Yeah. Um, I get that. We, 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 we got some grief. We, we reviewed yeah, yeah, Shrek yeah. recently. Yeah, we have. And, oh, okay. And got some grief from people because <laughs> Liam, <laughs> at the end, we do tend to give a rating out of 10 and I, Liam gave his and I went, okay, let, let's, let's talk for a minute. <laughs> Let me be the voice of reason here. I think we might be, a, you might be a little high and Liam went, yeah, actually, I think maybe you're, you're right. And you just kind of, you yeah. did kind of sort of move a little bit more towards the mean. And then, man, Twitter did not like me doing that. <laughs> that because, blew up. Because Shrek, because I'm messing with people's childhoods when I, when I, when I talk smack. Yeah, Shrek. exactly. Exactly. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. so I had another question for Sean as well. What do you think is the best film ever? Oh. Ooh. Ellie on brand. Good job. <laughs> Um, hmm. Sorry, I didn't put that in your notes. I didn't know she was going to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of it now. <laughs> what if I what if I said Princess Bride? Hey. Um, it's my best film ever. Is it? Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. I I'm I don't it's not my best film ever. Um, <laughs> I, I I I do love it, but I it's between um. The I movie. think my best film ever is. Oh, I think it's Back to the Future. Oh, hey. episode one, episode one of us. <laughs> yeah. Is that really? Did it was, you it, it was our one? first episode. It's the one mm-hmm. that sort of launched the idea. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, to bring it full circle back to Mank. I mean, apparently they teach it in a lot of screenwriting courses as the perfectly it's, paced film. It is, it is so good. so well written. Yeah, it is. Um, I just listened to a conversation with the uh, interview with Bob Gale on. Um, I don't remember what podcast it was, but it was, uh, this is embarrassing. Um, It was so good. He's so sharp and he remembers so much about that writing process. And it was so fascinating to listen to. I also, I love all three of them. And I, I actually think that on a personal level, I, I probably prefer part two. Um, But on a, on a, that's like on an objective level, I think, Number one is better. It's the best movie out of mm-hmm. all three. Number two hit me in the sweet spot growing yeah, up. Yeah, I'm me. I was, yeah. I was I was the right age for that movie to be oh, hoverboards. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, I, for I me, it was it was the it was the movie folding back in on itself yeah. that yeah, blew my mind. I was like, I didn't know you could do stuff like this. This is amazing. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. that's it's a special kind of talent to sort of think that stuff up. I don't <laughs> know if I, if it would hit me like that at all. Yeah, I think that's a good place to sort of put a, put, put a pin in this. And we are so thankful for thank you for, so for, much for, for your time and coming on and talking about Mank as well as all the things you're doing uh, outside of this. Do you want to go ahead and just make sure you give your your any sort of official pluggy plugs. pluggies to? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, so my group Shipwreck Comedy is um, we're gearing up to launch um, a big project, um, and we started our little hype train today on instagram i'm very excited (laughs) yeah um yeah we we're it's a it's it's gonna be um we're we're nervous we're excited it's gonna be the biggest thing we've ever attempted by far and um (laughs) uh it and it's an idea that i remember we shanae and i came up with um we did a we were 
the Tin Can Brothers. Uh, this this plug has gone on way too long. No, uh, sure. follow it's us. Sure. Follow us on Shipwreck Comedy uh, to follow our journey with this with this new project. Um, yeah, the fifteenth of June is going to be a big day for us. Um, but this project is super fun and um, really. It's something new, but it's something very much in our wheelhouse. And I remember Sinead and I were in San Diego for Comic-Con in 2019. Um, Tin Can Brothers were hired to do a um, an interactive uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, experience there. Wow. Okay. And Sinead and I were in it. And after rehearsal one day, we just went to the beach. We went to the Coronado Hotel and we just were on the beach having drinks and we started throwing out ideas for this next project. So it's kind of fun to think about that and to think about how far it's come. And uh, we're so excited for people to like meet these characters and, and see what we've been cooking up for the last year and a half, two years. Oh my God. Two years. Wow. Okay. Two years. (laughs) (laughs) Time means nothing. Um, Yeah. Is there any recurring characters or is it all new characters to the shipwrecked world? Is it, um, Recurring characters, or is it all new? I'm looking at Mary Kate and just seeing what I'm allowed to say. Because <laughs> even a no is an answer. So can, I don't want to say the wrong thing. You can bypass the question. You can bypass the I think it's going to be... Um, <laughs> um, there, we've we've toyed with um, throwing some old characters in there. I'll say that. <laughs> just just in like, I wish I, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you which ones, no, but there might wrong. be there might be a a recurring character in there. Who knows? <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed watching you in Mank, but we 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 even more so enjoyed uh, getting a chance to talk to you about your perspective, both within Mank and then out there doing so so very much. Uh, my, yeah. my 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 joke about an abundance of free time was entirely <laughs> was entirely that. Uh, it's, you seem like you have so much stuff out there, and and I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to sort of uh, immerse myself in it. So to anybody who listens to us, we'd love to say, just go ahead and check them out. Shepard Comedy on, on, on YouTube. The name of the podcast exactly was make sean and sinead love movie make sean and sinead love movie so <laughs> i highly recommend the episode on clifford also known as as the one full episode they have so yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah. that's a good place to start the next one will be on episode thumbelina, thumbelina. Mm-hmm. there yeah, we this go tuesday tuesday so um, yeah oh, so thank you very much for having me this was this was a lot of fun Th- thank you so so very much and we'll let you get on with the rest of your sunday all right thanks guys thanks sean you take thank care you. thank you very much Bye, nice to meet you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye. So, I mean, that was that was Sean Prasad. And again, uh, even without him being in the room, well, I guess hypothetically or digital room anymore, mm-hmm. I really couldn't be more thankful for the insight about how a Hollywood movie works, yeah. uh, about the way that he sees things. And we'll have the entire interview with Sean, including all his great stuff with shipwreck comedy, as well as a bunch of other things that we got to. And that will be dropping the full unedited, well, slightly edited version of that interview will be dropping tomorrow. I mean, to go from a writer and a director of your 
a, a, a writer and an actor. It seems like someone else directs. He doesn't, yeah, but he produces. He produces. Yeah. To go from that level of control to just, you know, uh, uh, not just, but to, to, to a much more limited scope yeah. and being yeah. a day player. Uh, it was interesting to get both of those perspectives as he sort of tries to balance both those things out and then emerge into the world of podcasts. I guess he's officially the competition. Yeah. <laughs> and we're okay with that. Bring it. We are there okay. is, yeah. there is room for, 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 for more than one. Everybody gets to win. There's a chance for everybody to do that. It's okay though. He's doing the bad movies. He's doing so. the bad movies. So, you know, such is. Uh, so we're there the we go. And yang of he can, yeah, that's right. He can do Stardust or whatever it's called. That's fine. Yes, he's exactly right. And, um, so. We can do Stardust if I wildcard it. There we go. So, um, <laughs> I don't know if you girls were around. No, you weren't around. So I will drop what we're doing next Tuesday really quickly on mm-hmm. the way out. Yeah. And we'll go from there. So next Tuesday, we will be doing, uh, we did the Breakfast Club from 1985. We're kind of doing its spiritual cousin from 1986. Also, John Hughes, also Chicago based. We are doing Ferris Bueller's Ooh. Day Ooh. Off. I've always yeah. that. So there we go. So that is what we're doing. So after, we've done Citizen Kane. We've done Mank. I mean, we did The Rock as well in between. But I mean, let's, let's cut, let's cut loose, literally in this sense. We'll cut class and <laughs> cut loose with Matthew Broderick in a film that I'm not really sure I get. And so that's my challenge to myself for next week. It's not one that I saw and went, oh, this is one of my favorites. This is one that I saw and went, it's a big movie. It's its 35th anniversary. Let's oh, see how it movie. goes across. I'm not sure I do. So I haven't watched it fully all the way oh, through dear. recently. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying. This was the first film I see break the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was, it was oh, like groundbreaking. I, I have the me. option to teach this film if I want. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's on the list of, of films we're allowed to teach at school. I just sit there and go, I really don't want to do it. Oh, yeah. So. so uh, please join us next week when it's just us. We won't have Sean no. Prasad, but we will have an announcement about something else coming in July. Ooh. So there we go. So make sure you catch us when we talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Again, a million thanks to Sean Prasad yeah, for making time for so us much. today. A massive thanks as well to Mary Kay for actually passing my message on in the first place. Yes. because. If she hadn't have done that, wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and so go check them out on all the stuff. Uh, our accounts following their accounts, so we'll yeah. anytime they do stuff, we'll 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 tweet them out. Uh, maybe we can be a friend of their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly am. So yeah. there we go. So for best film ever, I've been Ian. I've been Liam. I've been Ellie, and I've been Georgia. And quite frankly, we'll just catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop. I said frankly. I should have said mankly. Mankly. <laughs> <laughs>